Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 152 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is October 21st, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the Honorable Mr. Jay Totoro. Ooh, honorable. That's the next thing I've been called today. <laughs> what other on? kind of things? You've been called a lot of things today? Yeah, not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> wow. That must be bad. How's it going with you, Jay? It's going good. It's going well. Um, kind of a consistent. Everything's pretty good right now. How about you? Nice. About the same. Pretty much. Can't complain too badly. Mm-hmm. Um, Wish COVID would fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, Want to do stuff. Yeah, I would like to do stuff. Also, I did go visit my uh, dad and stepmom uh, for the for the first time since all of this has happened. Um, we saw was them. It was it was good. They it was us and some other people on my uh, stepmom's side of the family. We went and visited them. We all wore masks the whole time and like stayed away from each other. They've they've got a pretty big place, so it's you know not too hard to like keep your distance from people. Sure. Um, so we, we went up there for like three nights and, uh, I got to see them. That was very nice. Cause, uh, like I said, it's the first time I've gone to see them, uh, since March or since before that, but you know, since all this Isn't shit crazy? got get crazy. Yeah. So that was good. That was, it was a nice little short vacation and, um, it was good for my daughter too, to kind of get out. Cause she's been feeling really cooped up also. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to everybody. Like, I enjoy being at home for the most part, and it's starting to get to me just because I, I don't do a whole lot during the year to socialize, but there's a couple of things that are really challenging right now, and, and especially since COVID, and Arizona's not doing so well. Um, sucks. All right. Yeah. Really sucks. Well, it blows, but but on the bright side, not really on the bright side, but in but randomly one happy thought <laughs> that's, that's unrelated is... Uh, I was just random. This is like really maybe weird, kind of. But today uh-huh. I was just thinking about how much I really enjoy I'm doing the. Huh? Sorry. Huh? Oh, no. It's just. Talk to Lisa. This is kind of maybe weird, but I was just. But today I was randomly thinking just about how much I really love doing the podcast. And I just like got in a really good mood. I was like, oh, I get to do the podcast today. This is awesome. And uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was like I had an epiphany about how much I just really like doing this. That's cool. At so, least something, uh, something sacred gets gets to be uh, kept alive. Right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah. That, besides that thing, uh, everything else is just normal. Uh, so, you want to talk about news? Yeah, I'm down. Okay, let's do it. Um, actually, why don't we go? Why don't we go ahead and tell what our uh, surprise is for the next episode? Everybody gets to um, listen to somebody besides just you and me once oh, again. Yeah. I was like, wait, what is he talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have Gaming Jay on for the next episode. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners know who he is because we have him on from time to time. And so if, if not, you want, shame on you. Yeah. So if you, um, you want to, in, in your emails to us, if you want to send any questions to him, please feel free to do so. That's always fun. Uh, to have him on, and to have, all all of our guests are are really fun to have on. So we got that coming up. You can send an email to him if you want to. And now let's talk about news. Um, do you want to start off with your thing, or you want to you want to wait? It's up to you. Let's I'm let's let's. I don't know. So I like hearing about the the fuck Blizzard stuff last. So why okay. don't we save that for last? <laughs> I'm not even sure what it is. I did, but you told me you had something in that category, so I'm excited about it. Uh, I only have three things. 
One is Emperor of the Fading Suns, which is a classic 4X turn-based strategy game. Uh, came out for PC in 1997. That was that uh, was just released on GOG or made of av- you know made available on GOG a mm-hmm. few days ago. Uh, I am not familiar with this game, but I but I've heard a lot of people who are and are very excited about it uh, being available to buy once again. So that's Emperor of the Fading Suns. It is only six bucks, and uh, I hear it's a great game, but it's a little bit difficult. And I've also heard that the manual is terrible. <laughs> so maybe a little bit of a learning curve. Maybe you want to watch some tutorials if, if there probably aren't any, but maybe you want to watch something about it so you can get a feel oh, for I'm it. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But uh, maybe so. But it's 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 out now. Uh, me- uh, monkey. Oh, I had MI and almost said Mission Impossible, but that's Monkey <laughs> Island. Monkey Island. A uh, couple. So this. So this year is Monkey Island's thirtieth anniversary. Wow. And uh, there are a couple things related to that that have just been announced. One that's super cool is you know limited run games they do um obviously limited run prints of games so like like usually indie games and stuff that are that would otherwise be available only digitally limited run uh does they sell hard copies of those games in as i said limited batches uh for just whoever wants that and and a lot of times they do like special collector's editions of very various types of games and stuff like that as well Limited Run Games has announced that they are going to be selling a Monkey Island 30th Anniversary Anthology Collector's Edition. So, wow. it's going to have all five, I believe, which would include the the pseudo-recent Telltale Monkey Island game. All five of the Monkey Island games. Uh, I didn't see any information about whether... This includes the special edition of the first two that they had where you can switch back and forth between the original and uh, and modern graphics. So I'm not sure about that, but it does have all five games apparently. If I if I if I if I read it correctly, it's got a uh, behind the scenes book. It's got various like physical things like a uh, uh, one of the most Notable ones was a like a six inch resin statue of uh, of Guybrush. Also, the coolest part, the coolest looking thing in it to me, um, was there's a shadow box art piece. Oh, those are really cool. They're they are they're they're really neat. And it's of the scene if you've played Monkey Island, if you're familiar with it, it's of the scene where he is underwater holding his breath uh, because they like. He's the pirates threw him in there, or I don't, I don't even remember who it is, but somebody threw him in there, and he's got like a rock chain to his leg, and he's underwater, and it's the part where we have to try to figure out how to get out of the water. It is 159 bucks, and it's coming out October 30th. Or I'm not sure if it's if uh, I need to look this up. Actually, I'm not sure if pre-orders start October 30th, or if that's actually the release of the thing. So, uh, but but. If you're a Monkey Island fan, if you're, if you're interested in that, be on the lookout. I think I think it is kind of expensive, but I think I'm going to go for it just because I'm such a big Monkey Island fan. The uh, the shadow box thing looks so cool. The statue looks all right, but uh, mostly like the that art piece and just kind of some of the other little things that comes with it look real. I neat. would expect nothing less from you. I know. <laughs> you, know you know I'm a sucker for whatever. If it says Monkey Island or Metal Gear Solid, I'm it's, I'm screwed. Um, and then 
even cooler than that is uh, an event that's being held by the Video Game History Foundation. They have uh, announced... So they've announced this a project called the Video Game Source Project. Uh, in their words, this is a quote from their website, it is an effort to save and study source code and related development materials before the stories around certain about, around these games, this is referring to classic games, creation are lost forever. So, wow. you know, you've, we've heard of classic games where, like, they didn't keep the source code or, yep. you know, various other, maybe, and sometimes it's not even source code, but maybe just, like, internal documents about it, you know, marketing materials, uh, maybe even just journal, you know, personal journals that are related to the game in some way, maybe just, like, art that was drawn and not used, things like that. Uh, they've, they've started this video game source project to try to preserve, to try to find and preserve some of that stuff. Um, and that does include uh, old source code as well. So what they're doing, they're asking anyone who has old source co- code or old materials related to a game's development to provide it uh, to their archi- to, to their archives. Uh, that's, that also includes concept art and demo builds and, and like as I said, like internal documentation stuff like that to kind of uh, kickstart the the project. They're holding an event called the Secrets of Monkey Island. Huh. And this is an online, kind of like an online, like a virtual event that, that you're just going to watch. It's on October 30th. It's $10 for a ticket. And what they have done is apparently they've dug into the source code of the game and they've found unused stuff in the game, including full cinematics. What? Uh, yeah. Entire rooms that didn't make it into the final game. And... For this event, they're going to show off that stuff. But not only are they going to show off that stuff, they're having the game's create the game's primary creator, Ron Gilbert. He's going to be there to provide commentary on everything. Oh damn! I know. You are you are getting your wallet is getting decimated this <laughs> month, my friend. It really is. Uh, and I think there might be some stuff about Monkey Island Two also. I was I wasn't one hundred percent clear on that, but I did see them mention the game a couple times in this press release. So it sounds like that's going to be part of it as well. Um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of crazy. I'm very excited to look, I've already bought my $10 ticket. Uh, so if you're a monkey Island fan, it sounds definitely worth it. Supposedly the tickets for this thing have already like done way more than they expected. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. If, and if you do want to get, uh, if you do want to watch this, uh, it's, Gamehistory.org is their website. That's the Video Game History Foundation's website, and that's where you can uh, get tickets to this thing. And you can appear. I, I if I if I remember correctly, you can uh, watch like the archived video as well if you if you missed the live version. Gotcha. I'm assuming you've already uh, divulged or purchased. I've already purchased. Yes, I've definitely. Like right as here. soon as I read it, I I bought my my ticket. I would expect nothing less. You are a very consistent human being, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yep. So, uh, that's, that's very exciting. And, uh, so that's all, that's all my news. Jay, why don't, why don't I'm going to hand it hand it over to you now. What, what have you got for sure. us? Surprised you didn't see this, uh, cause this obviously affects, affects you a little bit, not affects you, but, uh, has some emotional ties to it. So, uh, I'll read the headline here. Blizzard entertainment is ceasing most Starcraft two paid development and support. 
So uh, this website, I'm looking at windowscentral.com. Uh, they have three three key bullets. I wrote through the whole article. There's a couple of things I'll touch on, but Blizzard Entertainment is ending most support for StarCraft II moving forward. There will be no more paid content, though bug fixes and balance patches will continue. Uh, Blizzard is also looking forward to what is next for the StarCraft universe as a whole. What that means to me is they're going to try and figure out what the next big thing is. So auto chess, you know, um, MOBAs, or not, no, MOBAs, and then Battle Royales, try to figure out what the next one of those is, mm-hmm. I would think, and then try to adapt the universe to that. The StarCraft so, universe? Yeah, that's what if I had to guess. Okay. Which, there's a really, this guy makes a really good point. Um, he says, this change comes at a time when Blizzard Entertainment is working on Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, neither of which have release dates or even release windows. Many Blizzard staff are also currently organizing and striking for better pay and work conditions. And it's like during this time that they decide to, to, to stop developing StarCraft 2. I know StarCraft 2 is not doing well, but I also think they probably should have taken a, a better approach to it. Because I don't know if you, if you know what the most, re- most recent paid content is. But it's essentially if you there's like this co-op mode you can play or you can see the single player co-op where you essentially have like these different mechanics that exist. It's 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 a basic Starcraft game, but there's AI has like certain mechanics to it. And they're all right. Like they're not they're not the most exciting or challenging thing in the world. And the synergy you have with your partner is not really that important. However, to buy uh, about half of the heroes, they're five dollars each to play in this game mode that is not that great. And they invested, I'm guessing, a lot of resources into it. So with what, what I'm saying about that is, like, it feels like Blizzard is just thrown in the towel, and, and it's a really surprising change to me just because of all the negative shit that's going on in their space. You know, they had to delay their expansion, right? So Shadowlands, their, their wow. primary yeah, primary expansion for WoW has, has been delayed. They still don't have a release date for it. It was supposed to come out the 28th of this month. So, so a week from now, a week from today. And they have delayed it without any release date. So... Blizzard, oh, man. They just don't know when to stop. I don't know. I, well, okay. With the StarCraft thing, though, I mean, I will say, honestly, I can kind of understand them being like, you know, we're kind of done with StarCraft 2. Let's figure out something else. Don't you think? Because, I, I, I mean, like, it I is an old game now. It's It came out in 2010, right? Yeah, roughly. It's, it's like 10 plus years old. So it's it's pretty old. I mean, like, you can only really support something for so long. You know, and I, it's, I, like you said, it's not doing that great. Like, yeah, there are still tournaments and stuff, but it's... It's... The community has, you know, dwindled in the many years since it's come out. So, like, I kind of understand them, like you said, throwing in the towel, because, I mean... Like I said, you only can support something for so long. It only makes sense to, to support something for so long. Well, what I don't appreciate is I feel like they went in a direction with the game that they should have known wasn't the right way to go, and it ultimately it it expedited sort of the uh, decrease in in, okay. um, in playing. But also even more than that, I feel like they didn't take a, a unique or aggressive or, or, or creative approach with StarCraft II anymore. The most recent expansion was the easiest expansion in terms of the campaign. There wasn't anything innovative or new about it. And then all the new content they keep adding is is predictable to me. Like I, I feel like Blizzard is it, they get like put on a course and it's like, oh, we're gonna do this for the next five years. Doesn't matter if it does well, doesn't matter if it doesn't do well. We're just gonna keep doing this and we're gonna keep keep committing to this no matter what. And it just it kind of surprises me and also frustrates me because you know, with how big of a of a of a studio they are. I just thought I'd, I'd see something different. Like I figured they would try something a little bit different with StarCraft as opposed to what they've done, which I don't know how much you have seen recently, but 
the the length of the games in StarCraft has been expedited so much. Like a long game in StarCraft is like 20 minutes now. That is a long game. Most games end within like 11 to 12 minutes, which <laughs> is nice because, you know, StarCraft games going super long is kind of frustrating. However, I feel like they took a lot of the interesting aspects away from it. It's still interesting to watch, but I imagine playing it has got to be obnoxiously repetitive. Because think about that. If, you're, if your average game time goes from... 30 minutes down to 11 minutes, that means your early game, you're doing it three times more often than you did previously. So you're going to get completely burned out on the first five minutes of playing StarCraft II within the shortest amount of time, right? Because that's you're going to spend the most time playing the first three to five minutes of every game. It, it just, well, but also, but, but, but to play devil's advocate, part of that is also they sped up the early part where the same thing was happening 100% of the time. I disagree with that statement. I, I, I get what you're saying, like, to an extent, but, like, the early game for StarCraft, like, the it, you know, previously, there was a lot you could do in the early early stages. I understand for the first probably, what, two or three minutes you're you're doing that. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm referring slowly. to. Yeah, I, I can understand that piece of it, but it just seems like now it's... I watched a lot of, of tournaments the last, like, week, week and a half. I just watched a bunch of uh, replays from tournaments this year. It's... It's really cookie cutter, and the games are super quick to where the games sort of bleed together. Like, if you watch a series, it feels like it runs together a lot. Like, it's the, the series don't feel as epic because they're obviously substantially shorter. Like, I, I can understand them expediting or, or speeding up the game time a little bit, but to cut it down to, I would guess, at least a half, if not a third of what it was previously, seems a bit drastic. Like, it just seems like a really lazy approach to, to solving their problem. Okay. I don't know. But aside to see that, obviously, from a personal standpoint, just because, you know, StarCraft 2 has been a big part of my life for a long time. Um, right, obviously, it doesn't too. mean the end of StarCraft, but, you know, it's still... It doesn't bode well for it. So. No, I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't help. It certainly doesn't help. But I, but I feel like it was kind of, it's on, you know, it's on the way out anyways. Yeah, it's unfortunate they didn't, they didn't try to do anything with Warcraft, but... To try and re- add some some life back into potentially RTSs, but maybe it's just not the time. Whenever RTS to start to make the resurgence, man, I'll be there. Do you think? Okay, so I was about to ask. Do you think you would be interested in a new RTS if it was good? If it was popular, absolutely. I I, I think it's interesting. I, my brother and I have talked about this a lot because you know we're, we're developing a board game, right? So we're thinking about the different metas and the different game types that are popular. And I'm wondering if it's cyclical, right? So you think about hmm. early 2000s was primarily RTSs, right? StarCraft II, I believe, was the first stream tournament for, for gaming. Then you have FPSs picked up, and then we go into the MOBA phase. And then FPSs, obviously, historically, throughout the last 25 years have been something, right? But then you go into uh, MMOs, into MOBAs, into Battle Royales, into uh, Auto Chess, those have been like the six, there's probably a few other ones in there, so I apologize if I missed the one that you're really into, but those are kind of the six primary genres that have been big in the last 20 to 25 years. I'm wondering if at a certain point we cycle back because realistically, Auto Chess is great. Auto Chess was very exciting for a while and TFT and the other competitors have, have done really well with it. I'm very curious to see though, at a certain point, it seems like we haven't had that new game mode. Like Battle Royales, Fortnite in general, or Fortnite specifically is, for, to my understanding, is going down in viewership and, and gameplay. So I'm curious what is going to take the throne, right? What is next? So yeah, I mean, a good MMO would definitely be that, but also streaming an MMO and playing an MMO like competitively is not really a thing that's been done before. Well, I mean, the closest one is WoW, and yeah, it's kind of a joke. So it's I'm kind of curious yeah. to see how that will exist in 
today's environment. Yeah, it seems like getting people hooked onto competitive MMO watching yeah. is that's an uphill battle. It, it adds a yeah, and it's really important, right? Because that, that's what surprised me about the StarCraft thing is because my understanding is the StarCraft tournaments are still doing well from a viewership standpoint. The prize pools huh. are still there, so I, I was surprised to see that they would let go just because you know if they put a little bit of uh, a little bit of resources behind it, I feel like they could continuously keep the meta somewhat interesting and keep the competitive scene going. But I feel like with that announcement. I feel like nobody is going to come in and say, I want to be a pro StarCraft II player in the future and I'm going to start practicing. Like, I think that what, what they did is they basically kind of pushed the rest of the stake in to, to finalize it. We'll see, though. I mean, maybe people just go back to Brood War and just play Brood War. But God, yeah, that would be... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised. And so a lot of people, a lot of uh, Korean pros are doing, they went back yeah. to playing Brood War. A lot of them kept playing that forever, even when even when StarCraft II was very popular. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what the next big genre is. If you have, I mean, if you have a crystal ball and you know what it is, you could be a very, very wealthy person. That's for damn sure. Picross. Yeah. No, thank you. Competitive Picross. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our games. Um, how many games do you have, Jay? Just one. Okay. If you don't mind, I've got I've got three. I've got two kind of shorter ones and one long one. Maybe I'll do my first two first and let you go, and then I'll pick up with the big one. Sounds good. All right. Well, the first one is a Picross game. That's why that was the first thing to come to mind because I was just looking at my notes. It is Mario's Super Picross. This was a Super Famicom game that came out in 1995. And if you remember, we talked about this on the news recently. They just released it for the first time available uh, in the States on the Switch Online SNES library. It's not localized or anything. But it doesn't really matter as long as you can just figure out which buttons to hit in the menu. It's pit cross, and you don't need to be able to read Japanese to know to to, to understand how to do a pit cross puzzle. Uh, pit cross, if if you are unfamiliar with it, it's a type of puzzle where you'll have a grid, and you have to fill in um, certain squares on the grid to make a picture of to you know it makes it, it typically makes a picture of something when you do so and the way you know which which squares to fill in is on each going ac- going across the top on each column and going down the side next to each row there are numbers and so one column might have one five one that means there's one uh square somewhere by itself on that column that needs to be filled in then there's a group of five together that need to be filled in. And then there's one again somewhere else. And there's, then some of them might just have one number, maybe just a three. That means there are three altogether in that column or row that need to be filled in. If it says one, 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 that means there are, there are three separate ones that are, they're all separated from each other on that column or row that needs to be, be filled in. So it's kind of, so it's a puzzle. You have to kind of like use dedu- deductive reasoning, figure out, okay, well, if, you know, if this row has this many, this one has that many, which ones are going to, you know, maybe, okay, this one I, I can tell for sure is going to be filled in. And this one's definitely not going to be filled in. And typically you can X out the ones that you know are not, that you've ruled out as a possibility of being filled in. So that kind of helps you figure out other ones that would be filled in. Am I crazy to think that this feels from, from a, um, str- I guess, strategy standpoint, almost like a Sudoku? 
Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Yeah. Like the way you're describing it makes me think Sudoku. I've played like one game of Sudoku ever. Okay. So it's really I know the I know what Sudoku is, but from a like a logic standpoint, I can't really say if it's the same type of reasoning that you have to use. Yes, it is going to be somewhat similar, but not quite. Interesting. Um, usually how 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 a game will start is so say the grid is 10 by 10. First you look and you see if on any of the columns or rows there's a 10. Because if there is, that just means every single square on that column or row needs to be filled in. That's an easy one to start with. You can go ahead and fill all those in. Then, if you look at, if you've done that, and then you say it was a column that has all 10 filled in, then if you look at the rows and any of them say just one, well, the one that it has is the one that you just filled in from the from the column that you just did. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's probably, it's very difficult to explain without any visuals. So then you would X out all the other ones on that row because you, because you've already filled in the square on that row and you know, none of, none of the other ones. And now that you have X'd out a bunch of them, then you can kind of go look and now you're really starting to narrow down which ones can and cannot be squares. And it's just that kind of that process over and over. So if, if there's a row that has nine, for instance, you don't know which one doesn't have the, uh, you know, isn't going to get filled in. But since you know they're all nine together, then you can start, then you know, like basically all of the middle ones are going to be filled in. And it's only one of the ones on the very end that's not going to be filled in, for instance. So you can go ahead and fill in the eight in the middle and leave the two on the ends and be like, all right, I'm going to come back later. But now I'm starting to fill stuff out, starting to, you know, continue to narrow down the possibilities of what there are to fill in or not fill in. So that's, that's how Pit Cross works. Yeah, it is in some ways similar to Sudoku, but I think it is a little, I think the the kind of, uh, not trial and error, but the deduction process is a little bit different, probably. Uh, so this is this is just that. It's it's a Picross game. Uh, just like Mario's Picross on Game Boy, it does not actually use, or at least from what I played, it does not actually use Mario imagery. It's just kind of random stuff. Which, which was disappointing to me. I wanted to be making like mushrooms or Mario icons, excuse me, you know, like question marks, bad guys and that kind of stuff. But I didn't come across any of that. And I, and I don't think there is any of that because there, there was very little of that in the Game Boy version. So uh, that kind of sucks. But other, other than that, there's there's not much to it. It's a Picross game. It, there is like kind of a story uh, tied into it. I, and I don't really know what it is um you know i've i've been learning japanese but i i still know very little and all i could tell was that on one part uh like wario came out after i finished one kind of like level of you know maybe 10 or 20 puzzles then uh wario came out and he said something and all i could all i i didn't really spend a lot of time trying to figure out but i could tell that he was saying wario's pit cross (laughs) so i guess he's trying to like take it over or something like make make it his game or something like that i don't know but, uh, so there's some little kind of back and forth, apparently involving Wario and Mario on there. That's kind of tied in, but, uh, over, but really that's just kind of, it doesn't actually affect the game, of course, in any way. It's just like a little extra interlude type stuff that you get. So Mario Super Picross, it's fine. It's good. It's a, it's a Picross game if you like those. I really enjoyed Mario's Picross on Game Boy. 
This one I didn't feel as drawn to, and I I think it, I wonder if it might just be because it's not as I mean it is on the Switch, so it's certainly portable, but you know not as portable as a tiny ass little Game Boy Advance that I was carrying around playing you know the original Game Boy cartridge on. So maybe that had something to do with it, or maybe I just wasn't really in a Picross mood. But it's it's a good it's a good game if you like Picross. Uh, my next game is Pilot Wings for Super Nintendo. Oh. <laughs> this came out in 1990 in Japan, 1991 in the U.S. It was a launch title for the Super Nintendo. And uh, I know you've played this, Jay. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have played it. Probably just about anybody who had a Super Nintendo growing up had Pilot Wings. Pilot Wings was always... I've said this before, so I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself, but it was always kind of a weird concept to me. It's like kind of simulation, kind of not... You get to fly stuff, but you but you really mostly are just like, like the plane, for instance. It's the majority of it isn't like, oh, let's go on a cool flight and do this and that. It's okay, fly through some rings and make sure you land. It's like such a heavy emphasis on landing that, like, almost, like a lot of the times, landing is more important than the flying part. Which I don't know, maybe it's just me, but for a video game, that just always seemed a little bit weird to me. Um. Hmm. But so pilot wings, the point is you're doing these various flight vehicles and you have to fly them in certain ways and then land them in certain ways and you get scored on how well you do. So like you might have uh, rings that you have to fly through, whether you're in a hang glider or the plane or something else, it might say go through these rings and then land as smoothly as possible. Or there's a quote rocket belt, which is a jetpack. That you have to wear, uh, that you have to fly on on one level, and you have to fly around and then land like as close to the middle of this little bullseye target landing pad as you can. There's skydiving, which also is you know go through these rings and then pull your parachute and try to land in the middle of this target. And I think those are the, th- the those are the th- those are the four things, right? Hang glider, plane, skydiving, and rocket belt. Uh. And then, so the way the game is structured is you you start off one lo- in one level and you have three tasks that you have to do. One of them will be a plane, one of them will be skydiving, and one of them might be, uh, you know, rocket belt. Or do actually, does this one even, ha- I'm, I'm doubting myself now. Is it, <laughs> I wrote down hang glider, but it's been a few weeks since I played this. Is there even a hang glider in the Super Nintendo Pilot Wings? I don't even remember that. I may just made that up completely out of my ass. But uh, I don't think there is. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. This is going to bother me. Anybody who's more familiar. Who, who, I, I, this is so sad that I played this like three weeks ago. And I can't even fucking remember if there's a hang glider. Um, looks like there may, actually is a hang glider. Okay. So I'm not just going insane. I didn't just completely make that up. Um, sorry about that. Okay. So yes, there's a hang glider. So the way it's structured is one level, you'll have three things to do. Plane, uh, skydiving and rocket belt, for instance, and your score and you get a score. You have to do all three of them and you get a cumulative score on how well you do for whatever the goal is for that task. And if you get a high enough score, then you get to go on to the next level. And the next level will be, you know, three things again. I might be hang glider, plane and skydiving. And then you got to get a good enough score on the, all those added together to get to the next area. And it's kind of structured weird. It's, it's like if all you care about is the plane, for instance, then 
there's not a way to say, oh, okay, I did good on the plane. Can I do the next plane level? No, because they're they're all all the levels are grouped together with these three things. So you have to do all three of them, you know, combine all three of them pretty well to be able to move on to the next, you know, to the next group of things. Uh, but besides that, the graphics are fantastic. This was they use the kind of the famous Mode Seven graphics system that the Super Nintendo was capable of. That was what allowed it to do to kind of make a sort of 3d looking uh, to, to make 3d looking 3d looking visuals. The game, especially for its time, really, really looks good. Um, and I guess the only the really the main thing besides that is the, uh, to, that I think is worth mentioning is the difficulty. How was this a hard game? To you, Jay, like this was kind of hard for, for me. Like not all of it, but some of the, some of the things were. You there? No. I forgot I'm gonna push the talk. God damn it. <laughs> um, yes. So that game was incredibly difficult, especially playing as a kid. I struggled immensely with it. Okay, so it wasn't just me. That's good to know. Um, especially the ones where you have to land in like the bullseye landing pad, like I was saying. Whether it's the uh, the skydiving one is the is the hardest I think, but the but the jetpack is also pretty hard because it's really hard to get a sense of how close. So you can switch views, right? Can't you in the jetpack? I believe to it's where too long. yeah, to where you're. It's 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 hard to tell. Like if you're looking from behind, then it's hard to tell where you are. Um, you know, what, like how close to the center of the thing you are. But if you have the view over him, which again, maybe I'm just making this up out of my ass. I know, obviously, you have that in skydiving. That is the main view. I think in the rocket belt, you maybe could switch the view to look from bird, from like bird's eye view. Uh, but it's hard in general to figure out where your guy is positioned uh, relative to the landing thing that you're trying to land on. With the plane, that's not so much of a big deal because you're just landing on a big, long runway. But with the jetpack and especially skydiving, because on skydiving, you not only so you're going down and you can tell you're getting closer to the uh, to the landing area, but you can't tell quite how close you are. So you've got your parachute pulled by this point once you get close enough and you're trying to make, you know, you're still going at an angle and you want to make sure you land as close to the center as possible, but you can't tell if you're about to touch the center in two seconds or five seconds or 10 seconds. So you might way overshoot it just because it's really hard to judge distance uh, in this game. And especially with the parachute, because it's really hard to like, you can't say, okay, go straight down. Now you're always going at an angle and you're kind of like typically like circling it, trying to trying to get it just right. It's very hard, particularly those, those two things. Uh, I did get to the end of the game <laughs> And I had never gotten this far when I had this game when I was little, but uh, if you so if you pass every stage, then there's a helicopter rescue level at the very end. Have you ever played this level, Jay? No, God damn it! I forgot I pushed talk. Again. It's driving me nuts. I'm like not even doing anything. I'm just sitting here, I'm um, like talking as well. It's so bad. Okay, well I had never done this either. But if you get if you beat all the levels, then what <laughs> your instructor comes out and he says, "All right." um... So and so, one one of our other instructors got one of our other instructors got kidnapped by this terrorist group. Um, 
the political situation is too hot for the government to do anything about it. So you got to go in in a helicopter and rescue her. Interesting. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, you can say no way, or like, you can say no. And uh, the guy goes, if you say no, then it makes you do it anyways. The guy goes, I can't do it. I'm a motorcycle instructor. You're like, <laughs> okay, so that makes me qualified, dumbass? And, se- and second of all, why are you teaching me how to fly hang gliders and shit if you're just a motorcycle instructor? But anyway, so on the helicopter rescue mission, you actually have guns. And you're flying around and there are like surface to air sights that start shooting at you at certain points. And you have to fly around and shoot like they're more like missiles than guns, actually, that you have. You have to shoot the missiles uh, at these things to like take them out so they can't shoot you down. And then you get to the end and there's like a whole bunch of them. You have to fly around and kind of clear them out and then land. And uh, it shows like the the person you're saving getting on board. And then you have to fly back to uh, to your base, which is like. I never knew there was anything like that in this game. That's just what the last level is. Interesting. Uh, no, I don't remember at all. Yeah. And then and then once you beat that, then you get uh, expert mode, which I didn't play out. At this point, I had you know played enough to... I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm good on Pilot Wings. It's a good game. It's not a great game. But you get expert mode, which is... Uh, it's, it's harder tasks, but also um, like different colored... <laughs> like airplanes and stuff. And, I, and if I remember correctly, all, a lot of the stuff was at night as well on those. So it, it, that's pretty cool. You know, if you really love the game to get kind of an extra mode to play on for a little bit. Um, there's also, I, I didn't unlock any of these, but I was reading about it and looking into it. There are some hidden levels. I think I, you get them from like doing really well on some of the, uh, on some of the tasks that you have to do. I think one of them is if you like on one of the rocket one or maybe even a couple of the rocket pack levels. There are there's the there's the um, like the bullseye target that you have to land on, but there's also one that's moving around. There's a second thing you can try to land on that's in water, and it's a platform that's constantly moving in a circle. So it's very hard to land on it, um, and if you miss it, you you die and have to start over. But if you do land on it, then you un like that's one of the ways you unlock one of these hidden levels. One of them is a you're a penguin doing a high dive, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of just like uh, skydiving, but you're a penguin jumping off a diving board. There's one where you're a bird man. You're this guy that literally has wings, and you're and you're doing some sort of flight test or something. And uh, I think there was one others. I think that one others. I think there was maybe one other. Or maybe those were the only two. But they sound like hidden levels that somebody would lie about at school. Don't doesn't it like sound like when you're in third grade yeah. somebody Oh yeah, if you do this and that, you get to be a penguin high diving off a diving board. That does sound pretty cool, so that could definitely get people. <laughs> yeah. But uh so yeah, it does have pretty those those kind of cool things, um if you uh if you if you're if you're a pro, if you're pilot wings pro, which unfortunately I'm not. I didn't get to play any of those, but uh, like I said, it's a pretty good, you know, it was kind of fun from a nostalgia standpoint to go back and play it. There's, I don't really think it has a whole lot of value anymore outside of that. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think that kind of sums up how I feel about it. Did you like this game originally when it came out? Jay? To an extent, I wasn't like infatuated, but I definitely enjoyed it. I think that's kind of how I was too. I liked it. I played it. 
not tons, but I, you know, I played it a, probably a good bit. And I never really loved it, but it's like, oh yeah, if you have some friends over and you don't have much else to do, why not bust out Pilot Wings and play for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll come back to my main one later. Why don't we hear what you got? Sure. Um, so after my last, uh, after the last podcast of playing Samurai Warriors, I wanted to go back and play one of the one of the Dynasty Warriors titles that I haven't played or have played very little. Um, which the last one that I played a lot of was was the fourth one. I, I played the third and fourth one for many many hours, hundred plus hours on each of them, if I had to guess. So I played Dynasty Warriors Five, which was uh, well, actually, you know, I didn't even check the date on this. Oh no! Oh, it actually. Oh, it's close. So it came out February twenty fourth, two thousand five. In North America, it came out in March two thousand five. So oh, that's like, close. That's close. I know. I actually, good. what's so funny is I think of this game and I think early two thousands, but early two thousands was the third and fourth one. So time obviously makes sense. Anyways, <laughs> time makes sense. Sometimes, yeah, right. Uh, so again, kind of jump back to the last episode. This is PS two, by the way. Yeah, this is made for the PS two. Uh, this is a hack and slash hack and slash game that is for me. It's it's the most it's one of the most iconic hack and slash games from my childhood. Uh, I remember playing a lot of demo discs for the PlayStation Two primarily. I want to say and playing a lot of the Dynasty Warriors titles that they were planning to release uh, going into the PlayStation Two. So by by and, by most iconic, do you mean five in particular, or just Dynasty Warriors in general? The, the, just in general. Okay. Yeah, if I had to say so, because I mean, for for me, it was I, I pro, out of all the hack and slash type games, this is definitely the series that I've played the most of. The third, third and fourth one, I, I played uh, primarily the most, and then the, the later iterations. I remember when I was I was in, I think I was in college, and they were like Dynasty Warriors Seven, and I'm like, what? Like they're still making those games? I was, I was actually kind of surprised. Still, <laughs> I believe still making them today too. Which I is think they are, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, so uh, these games are, are, are know what they're good at, and they execute on it well. And they don't try to change the formula up too much. They try to sprinkle some new things into it, maybe add some new characters, some new mechanics. Uh, but they don't try to overhaul the game or do anything too brave. And I think that's the right approach. I mean, the third, fourth, and fifth, if you watch them back to back to back, you'd be like, yeah, this is definitely the same game with, with a couple of minor changes and some balancing changes uh, and maybe some quality of life things to, to make it slightly better. So... Uh, in terms of gameplay, you know, these, these games are really fun. Um, as I kind of talked about last time, you have sort of a basic attack, a power attack, your, your ultimate, which requires you to have a full Musu or Muso bar. I don't know how it's pronounced. And then uh, what does the other button even do? Oh, oh jump. <laughs> right, jump. Uh, so you have basic attack, power attack, special, and then jump. Those are kind of your primary things. You can also block. Um, you can also, if you get knocked down, you can do like a front flip. Uh, as I kind of talked about last time. But the primary thing you do in this game is you hit your basic attack as many times as possible. And then, uh, well, it, it kind of, it's situational. So when you use your, your uh, power attack, it does something. And then if you use a basic attack and then your power attack, it does something different. And if you do two basic attacks and do a power attack, it does something different. So um, okay. there's some definite combos that exist, but realistically, these games are extremely repetitive and they are killer on your thumbs because you are hitting, <laughs> you know, you're hitting the inputs over and over and over. And then when you get your ultimate, obviously you can use your ultimate to do a bunch of damage. So uh, this game compared to Samurai Warriors, uh, this game is uh, more fun. Samurai Warriors is good for certain things, but it felt a little bit more slower pace and not as much of you just cleaving groups and groups of people. This game had the formula uh, really, really good. 
because it was it was just exceptional. I mean, I, I kid you not, there were a couple maps where I had eight or nine hundred kills of, of different people. And, <laughs> and we're not talking like I'm spending like an hour on this map. I'm like 30 minutes in this map. <laughs> so it was really fun. I played a shit ton of characters. There's probably 15 characters that are available at the beginning. Maybe eh, probably probably closer to like 24, actually, because there's three factions. But, so like, that you I can think, play as? Yeah. And then there's there's future ones you can unlock. Um, so I played on hardest difficulty because I generally play a lot of these games and I kind of wanted to, not a challenge, but I guess a challenge. I just want to kind of try and see how it was. It was very, very hard. Um, and it wasn't fun hard. It was kind of stupid hard. You would, if, if you if you got hit by somebody, you felt it. Like if if, uh, if another officer, like a, a, a peer of yours, if you fought them and they comboed you, you were probably either dead or very close to dead in one single combo. Whereas you had to hit them probably somewhere close to 80 or 90 times before they would die. <laughs> it was that one sided, which is just insane. So you can't make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, and beyond that, it's just like the maps were really, really challenging because they would win. They would not by killing you, but by killing your um, your ca- your captains or whatever, whatever his title is. The, the frustrating part about this is like what you ended up having to do is you basically just turtled in your camp with your main dude and you just defended him until they ran out of forces and then you would go and kill their captain. And mm-hmm. that's like 30, 40, 50 minutes probably in certain cases. Now, uh, that was the first couple levels. And I, when you play a character, they start out, as you will, as like level one. And then you can level up and you get further items and weapons and all that fun stuff. Um, so when you start a campaign, the first level was was pretty repetitive just because you are, again, turtled in your base and just kind of defending until they run out of resources and then ultimately pushing out to kill their, their leader. Now, I will say when I got a little bit further in and I got stronger, because uh, you get a lot of experience for killing a lot of mobs, a lot of mobs. You could definitely have a shit ton of fun. So I played. Um, I played. There's three new characters. There's one for each faction that were. They were essentially, for the most part, of my understanding, they're like this the children or the son or daughter of the leader of that faction that they added into it. Um, so like the blue faction, I believe it's pronounced Cow Cow or, or Sao Sao. It's C A O C A O. His son. You can play as him, which his name is Cow or Sal or Cow P P I, and they have some pretty. It's Cal. Pretty it's Cal. Is it Cal? Okay. Yeah, because I remember. Um, I remember seeing this. This is very random, but on. Uh, I think it was on X Play. Did you ever watch that on G Four? Yeah. I never really watched it, but the one episode I saw, they kept like joking about his name and just like. Apparently, at one point, he goes, "I am Cal P." And they kept just like repeating that over and over and over on their uh, like review of the game. Yeah, you know what? I should know that because they definitely do say it during the game. There's cutscenes and stuff, so I don't know why I didn't even think about that. But good call. Um, but yeah, so you get to play as, as their children, and they have some pretty innovative mechanics to them. Um, they have some pretty cool balancing, and I really enjoyed it. There were a variety of characters that I played and tried to do w- uh, really well with. Um, the different characters have. They they have different playstyles to them. They they really do. So if you get like there's this guy who's playing, I believe it's pronounced Taishi C. It's like this guy has these two. They're they, I would consider them maces, but what he wields are these like stone sticks, and they're fucking massive, and they're really long. They're probably like two feet long, maybe longer, and they're he wields these these rocks essentially, and he does he has a very short range, does a lot of damage, and hits really slow. Whereas you could play somebody like um, like Cal P who has more, he's using like a pole arm. So he has more range and he has more AOE, 
but he also hits at a decently um, decently fast rate, but at a reduced damage. So there's a variety they basically go through and like, okay, they either have good or faster slow attack speed, higher low damage, higher low magic. And when I say magic, it's like their abilities may incorporate some form of magic to do AoE. AoE versus single target. Like there's these different meters you can kind of look at throughout the different characters. Primarily, I love playing AoE characters because, duh, you're playing Dynasty Warriors. Right. You want to group up large groups of enemies and just cleave them down. And the best feeling in the world, I kept getting the, these, uh, in the levels, the monsters will some dro- sometimes drop these items that last for like 30 or 60 seconds. So there's like times to attack, times to defense, Musu, which is your ultimate for 10 seconds, Musu for five seconds, instant Musu. Um, so you get like these, these cool things. I, in multiple levels, I got times to attack and Musu for 10 seconds. And your Musu is like, your character, you, first of all, you're invincible. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can hurt you. And you are cleaving everything around you. So I got both of them. And then I would just run into the biggest group of enemies I could find and just <laughs> hold down my ultimate for 10 seconds straight. And your character is just teeing off. And there's like all this little flashing lights and your kill count's going up by like 40, 50, 60 people. And it just feels so, so great. Um, even more is when you're mounted because you can ride horses and elephants. And I think those are the only two. Um, your character has different abilities on it and you can do some really heavy cleave on horses and you can use your ultimate when you're on your horse as well. And some of the characters I would play, they would do this nasty AOE completely around my character and it would lift the enemies around me up in the air and just kind of shuffle them and just juggle them and just destroy them. So that was really fun. Um, And then there were a couple levels where I... I was trying to be more aggressive, so I would just sprint. I would get on the near, I would knock uh, the nearest officer I could find off his mount. I would get on the mount and ride to their captain and just ride through a- endless enemies, dragging them all with me. And I was basically like, okay, I got to him. I have to kill him before all those other guys catch up to me. And then I would just try and 1v1 him as quickly as possible. And it was really fun. I was successful more often than not, to be honest with you, as long as I could get directly to them, because sometimes there were like gates and other things in my way that would stop me from getting there, um, which was really fun because it's, it's, there's a definite uh, there's a definite strategy around how to survive in really challenging situations by like timing your ult properly or not engaging until you're really confident that you can get a clean combo off and stuff. So um, yeah, I played through a decent amount of the campaigns. I got I didn't finish any of the campaigns because I just kept switching characters a lot. But I probably played a total of like ten, maybe twelve characters and played at least like a handful of levels with each That's one. That's a lot of characters. Yeah, it was it was they were pretty quick and like I, I would like pick a character, and then I'll play the first level. And if I didn't like him, I'd be like, screw this. And then I would just keep keep trying different characters until I found one that I really like. Uh, there's also an expansion of this one called Extreme Warriors, which I think they did Extreme Warriors for a lot of them. But you can actually create your own characters. They had that in some of the older ones. I think at least the, the third one, you can make your own character, and you design the look, you design the name, um, but you also design their attacks, both their basic attack, their combo attack, and their ultimate. So you can actually map out and create a character. And it's not like they're crazy overpowered or anything, but it's really interesting to to try the different uh, different combinations. Because you're like, oh, I really want to play a guy with a polearm, but I want to have like really fast attacks, and I want to do primarily single target. You can make that. You, you can develop a character and try it out and, and find out that, oh, it's terrible. Like, okay, if you're going to go polearm, you got to hit slow, so then you maybe switch to that. And you can just try different things. Uh, there was some pretty, pretty cool mechanics to it. And you basically start your own campaign. The campaign's interesting. I remember you're, you're basically like a part of one of the other characters' campaigns. You don't have necessarily your own, obviously, because you're a custom character. Uh, but it's still tried to incorporate it and make you feel like you were part of you know, the, the purpose or mission, if you will. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, very fun game. I, I think this is probably the last Dynasty Warriors game I'll play for a little bit. I definitely got out of my system quite a bit, but it was pretty darn enjoyable overall. 
Do you get so it sounds like you you really like them, but then you have to kind of like take a break from them. Yeah, if I play, I mean, I don't get a craving to play them very often, and every once in a while, okay. it's just like, oh yeah, I really feel like I just feel like just dropping a bunch of enemies and yeah, just yeah. doing a bunch of damage and stuff. So, I've never really liked these games that much. I just get a little bit bored by them. But uh, I but I do understand the appeal. Like you said, it kind of just feels good to just go in and mow down a trillion bad guys. Yeah, it's, it's it, that is definitely enjoyable. And when you play with other people too, like there's some pretty nasty stuff you can do because that's primarily what I remember as a child is is playing a lot of this with my friends and stuff and spending an obscene amount of hours playing these games. So hell yeah, okay. So dra- uh, Dragon <laughs> Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors Five, Dynasty Warriors Five for PS2. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, my main game that I have for this episode is the original Dragon Warrior, the uh, the Super Nintendo, the NES nineteen eighty six R uh, JRPG. This is uh against the against the advice of Hungry Gorilla as well as Travis from Nest Friend and uh. And Drunk Friend and all of the other stuff he does. He also recommended that I not play this. Also, somebody wrote in an email and told me not to play this also. But you know what I did? You played it anyways. I went and played it anyways. This is... uh, So, as I said, it's a JRPG. It's for the Nintendo. came out in 1986. On Famicom, it was called Dragon Quest. And in uh, the United States, they had to change it to Dragon Warrior because there was a uh, there was a board game that was already trademarked uh, Dragon Quest. And in fact, all of the Dragon Quest games in the U.S. were called Dragon Warrior up until uh, I think Dragon Quest Eight was when they ch- was when they changed it to Dragon. Qu- they changed it back to Dragon Quest, and they had to then they were able to stop calling it Dragon Warrior. That was a PS2 game. You just keep saying dragon. I just hear dragon over and over and over. Yeah, that's that. I, and I even said it. Before, I even said it when I was talking about your game. I almost called it dragon. I almost called true. it dragon warrior because <laughs> I knew I was about to talk about it. Um, so Dragon Quest is the real name. Dragon Warrior is the United States name for the first seven of them. And this is re- and I didn't. And it makes perfect sense, but I just never really thought about it. So this came out a year before Final Fantasy. Okay. And so, so wow. just just to give you a very, very, very brief idea, this is think of this as very similar to a Final Fantasy to, to Final Fantasy One. Okay, um, is is that kind of RPG? Uh, it came out a year before Final Fantasy One. It is regarded actually as the first ever JRPG. Whoa! Yeah, that that I kind of had the same reaction, and and then and again. When you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Came out year before Final Fantasy one. Okay, what else would have been there been before that? Nothing that I can think of. Um, but it still is kind of shocking uh, to <laughs> kind of hear that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's regarded as the first ever JRPG, and um, it's also and it, so as such, it's kind of well, we'll talk about this in a minute. It's kind of also. Uh, a very basic version of a JRPG as you, as you would probably expect, but it's really cool because it has all, you know, being the first JRPG, it has basically all of the tropes that you think of when you think of JRPG. So like J 
when you think of JRPG, what are a couple things that come to mind? Honestly, turn-based combat is one. Okay, that's one. I yeah. know that. Yeah, turn-based combat. Um, it's got that. Probably heavily story involved. Uh, okay, not so much. Not so. There is story. Yes, that's kind of one of the things that's not so much. Um, it's not super heavily story involved, but there is gotcha. a story for sure. Um, it does have a basic save the world story. Oh yeah, that's very true. Some some sort of princess usually involved. There is definitely a princess involved. Um, what else? You've got uh, MP and HP. Oh, that's a good one. You've got an overworld. Oh yeah, that's another good one. Damn. <laughs> You've got a uh, an open world. There are random encounters. Ooh. You've got XP and XP system. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, also, where it's it's like a uh, kind of like a uh, scaled XP system where you know the XP needed from level you know five to six is much greater than from one to two, for example. You, you you understand you know you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, scaling experience. Yep. Yeah. Um. You got to get. What are you? Are you like fapping or something? Oh, sorry. That's my controller. Okay. I'm glad he said that. Let me turn on my thing. Uh, uh, my fapping. Yeah, Robert. You know me. Didn't want to call you out, but then I was like, you know what? It's gonna be awkward if I don't. Yeah. Uh, you get gold to upgrade your gear with. Okay. You, yeah, I was uh, thinking something to do with the shop. Yeah, shops and stuff. Different towns have different things that you can buy. Uh, consumable items, of course. Uh, oh, here's another one. You rest at an inn to restore your HP and MP. And generally save. <laughs> and, uh, what, no, actually, there is only one place in the entire game that you can save your game on this one. Um, you have to go back to the like starting castle to save. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a wow. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. It's not as bad as it as it sounds, for for several several reasons. But there is a, that is the only place in the game that you can save, um, and also like general fantasy, like oh yeah, setting. dragons, dragons, yeah, yeah. Uh, wyverns, uh, things like that. But but it does have some quirky, some kind of like more quirky things that you might not expect, like the um, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, in the Dragon Quest series, the most iconic, kind of the most iconic monster is the Blue Slime. Have you ever seen the Dragon Quest Blue Slime monster? I believe so, yeah, because Lisa, I watched Lisa play Dragon Quest too. Sorry, you, you broke up for a second. You saw her? Oh, uh, I saw, yes, I have. Okay, so, like, it's got fantasy stuff, but it does have its kind of quirky takes on some points, such as the Blue okay. Slimes, which, uh, which is that they've kind of become, like, the mascot for the Dragon <laughs> Quest series. They're these, they're like... These happy-looking little blue slimes that smile and bounce around, uh, but they're but they're a bad guy, and it's typically good. Oh, god! Well, I was gonna say they're they're as far as I as far as I know in every game they're also the like the first lowest level weakest bad guy that you encounter. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's like a starting. It sounds like a um, starting area for an MMO bad guy, right? Like very consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So, yeah, so, okay, so it kind of, it's, so it has all these things which kind of are unremarkable on their own, but when you think back, it had, like, the, all of these things, or most of them, have persisted today, you know, with, obviously, turn-based 
battle systems have been dropped in a lot of games, but even that to some extent still remains. So it's just kind of cool to see like, these are all these things in the very first one. And we still see so many of them so often today. Absolutely. So gameplay, the story is that, uh, the princess has been kidnapped and the dragon Lord is trying to basically take over the world. And these are actually two, well, they are in, they are somewhat intertwined, but they're actually kind of two separate things. In fact, you don't, you can beat the game actually without saving the princess. <laughs> if you, if you have not played the game and you don't know certain things, like the, the princess does do some things that, that will help you advance this. That would be difficult otherwise. But it is technically possible to uh, uh, to beat the game without saving the princess. Although it's not difficult to save her, you're going to come across where she is anyways. Like, if you don't save her, it's basically like you just walked past her and just didn't feel like taking the time to save her. So you might as well. It's kind of like you might as well anyways. But you don't have Makes to. Sense. Um, battles. So, when you, so, you know, obviously... As I said, you it's a random encounter. So when you're walking around in the overworld from one place to another, you uh, will randomly encounter a monster. And it's not like Final Fantasy where it goes to, where it's like, all right, now you're in the battle screen. You actually stay on the same screen, but like a little... The overworld? You stay on the overworld, yeah. But you basically get like a pop-up window that shows the monster in it. Uh, with kind of like a little, you know, it's like, oh, here's a, here's a, here's a view of what you're seeing right now. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, the landscape and stuff. That's kind of cool, actually. There. It is kind of cool because it, it keeps things flowing a little bit yeah. faster. Uh, and that I did appreciate. Um, again, it just, you don't have to go all the way in and out of a scene every time. It's like, boom, here he is. Let's fight against him. Um <laughs> the, the there and there's a message box below this little pop-up window showing the monster and uh the, the message box is kind of almost hilariously verbose but hmm. it it doesn't really matter because as long as you have the text speed turned up because like it it doesn't it says a lot of things but it doesn't take a long time to scroll through them it's 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 funny because so you'll come across like Maybe a uh, a skeleton, for instance, and it'll say, "Thou hast come across a skeleton," and then you attack it, and it says, "Thou attacks the skeleton." The skeleton, oh, <laughs> the skeleton takes ten HP damage. The skeleton attacks. Thou hast taken seven HP damage, and then it just says this back and forth until you finally beat him. Then it says, "Thou hast done well in defeating the no. skeleton." Thou hast gained 100 XP. Thou hast gained 33 gold. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like so... a concatenate fucking Excel formula. Like, no matter what you put in there, it's always going to put thou in front of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny so funny. It, like, it, it could just say 10 damage, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but but no, it's, it's writing out in full sentences every single thing that happens. Which, again... It doesn't really take a lot of time because it, you just can scroll through it so fast. It's just it's it's all. If anything, it's it's pointless. endearing. It was a bit it's pointless for sure, but it's kind of endearing for them to think like, oh, they're gonna be reading this every single line time by all the line way through, right? <laughs> right. Like, oh, those that that was cute of them to think that people were gonna yeah do that. Um. So that's that was kind of funny. Uh. 
one thing that one of the first things that stood out to me about the game is that so you know in Final Fantasy 1 how you start off in that one area and basically you uh kind of go out you grind a little bit you come back and buy some equipment maybe you leveled up yep. a little bit then you go back out and you can go a little bit farther next time right Go a little bit farther, maybe fight some stronger guys, get a little bit more experience, get some more gold, go back, get some better gear. And then like you kind of do this and you have this loop of slowly getting your guys stronger, slowly getting better stuff. And this, and then this slowly increases kind of like the radius that you can travel from town. Right. Does that make sense? So this has this, this, especially in the early game works. Well, actually for a lot of the game works the exact same way. It's the same exact feel of you walk out, you kind of stay pretty close and you maybe grind a little bit. You go back to town, maybe heal up, buy something if you can, then go out, fight a little bit more, maybe adventure out just a tiny bit farther. uh, And then your guy is going to level up. You're maybe fighting a little bit stronger monsters. Then you go back, get some more gear. And then eventually, eventually you can get to, you know, another town or maybe there's a dungeon that you find that's nearby. But you can do something, but you can go somewhere besides, you know, just the same town that you've been kind of returning to, to, to refresh your guy and, and, and get new stuff every time. So it does have that same feel, which is, uh, almost kind of nostalgic, even though I say that not, not that I played any of these games when I was younger, but playing Final Fantasy one and having that experience and then playing this one and having the same experience, it, it felt I don't know. It felt familiar and like yeah, comfortable. <laughs> um, now, one so the thing that Hungry Gurria and Travis and one of our emailers warned me about, and the reason they told me not to play this game was that it's very grindy. I think it was Jonathan that wrote in, and who he was the one who said that very very grindy. And I am here to confirm <laughs> that. The game is not just grindy. Like, basically, the point of the game is to grind. Like, it is not just something that you have to do sometimes. It is what the game is, basically. Interesting. I will say, probably 95% of my time playing the game, I was just grinding. Jesus. And I'm not exaggerating. Um... Uh, you know, like in the Final Fantasy games, the ones that, where you do have to grind, you play for a while, then you hit a point where you got to grind out a little bit, right? Yep. This game is just the whole thing is okay. You got to your goal is to go here is to get to this place and do something. So I've so now I have to go grind for a while so that I can do that. And each time it might be hours that you have to spend grinding. Jesus. <laughs> Um, when I first started, I spent maybe an hour or two getting my guy leveled up. I was like, oh, okay, so this is the grind they were talking about. I I see. Well, I'll get through this and then I'll be strong enough to kind of like go around and get to more places in the world. But no, it is not something that you ever, ever get done doing as long as you're playing this game. It is there throughout the entire game. In fact, at the beginning, it's probably the least amount of grinding that you have to do. (laughs) That's usually where it's the worst, right? I know! (laughs) Yes. And if you die, you lose... You go back to the starting castle. 
you don't have to reload your save or anything like that. You you keep all your XP and all that, but you lose half of your gold. Okay. This can really, really be a setback because when you're grinding, you're not just grinding out experience. You're, you have to grind out gold also because, because gear is very, very important. And it's also very expensive. You might spend like the hours that it, that it takes to grind up levels. You also need those hours of, of just earning gold to buy like the next piece of gear that you basically have to have. So imagine grinding for two hours and then losing half of the gold that you got. Yeah, that's uh, that's a quick alt F4. <laughs> so um, it is, you know, if, if, if you don't have a lot of money, if you maybe just bought something, it's not that big of a deal. If you spend hours saving up gold to buy fucking plate mail that, and, you, and you die, that really, really hurts. Um, and so what that does is it makes you have to play really careful, which slows down the grind even more because you might be venturing out and be like, okay, I'm going to go, go a little bit farther and fight some of these stronger guys. Right. Uh, but then once you get a lot, once you start getting close to having, you know, enough money to buy your next thing, you're like, hell no, I'm not going to risk losing half of that. I've spent so long doing that. So now I'm just going to go grind wheat guys for a little bit. And so that makes you not, you know, it, it disincentivizes you to uh, fighting stronger guys, which to be fair, I mean, that's, that's kind of just part of it. it there's, there should be a, a penalty for, for, you know, getting too far out of your depth. And uh, well, what is the downside to saving? There's no downside to saving. Um, every time you go back to your castle, you probably should save. Okay, but but there are times when like maybe I just didn't. Sa- In fact, a lot of maybe that's part of partly my fault that I didn't save as often as maybe I should have. But another part, but I guess okay. Well, actually, what I would say the downside to saving is the time it takes back to get to get okay. back to the castle to save. So sometimes I'll just be like, no, I'm not going to go all the way back to say oh, I'm good. I'll, I'll be able to take care of this, and then I would do something stupid, and be like, oh shit, I'm fucked, and then I would end up dying. I lose half my gold. Um, okay. But aside from the time it takes to travel back to the castle, uh, that's 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 it. There's there's no downside to saving. Uh, so you so how long to beat dot com says this game takes about ten hours. I really feel like mine was closer to somewhere between fifty and twenty. Oh oh fifteen okay yeah and um again. Almost all of that is just, just grinding. There's also some other things like, so dungeons, if you go into, there, there are actually not a lot of dungeons in this game. Most of the stuff takes place, uh, just on the overworld, but there are a few. And when you go into a dungeon, you can't see shit. All you can see is the square that your character's on. Now, if you have a torch, then you can use a torch and it lights up one additional square all the way around in a radius from you. So you can see, you know, every square directly next to you and your guy, and that's it. And so like, even with a torch, you can just, you, all you can see is, okay, I can move right or left basically, or, you know, up or down, but you really can't see, you can't get a good idea of where you are at all. Eventually 
you get uh, a spell called Radiant. And that lights up a lot more squares around you. So you can see pretty well. So that's that's a kind of annoying thing that eventually goes away once you get high enough level. But that, that's one of the mechanics that's in the game. And so speaking of spells, actually, um, you... Uh, when you when you level up, you sometimes get spells, and it's just based on okay. At this level, you get this spell. At this level, you get that spell. You don't actually buy spells like in Final Fantasy. You don't choose what spells you're getting or anything like that. You just get certain spells at different levels. Some of the, most of the time, the most important spells are the ones that heal you, because those are those allow you to stay out in the field longer and level up more before you have to go back to town and <laughs> and heal. Um, and uh, uh, there are some that do damage, but they're 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 kind of like the very first one you get is is helpful very early game, but then after that they're not very good. Sleep is actually a very good spell in this game. Uh, when you cast sleep on a monster, it doesn't wake up when you hit it. You know? Oh like, wow! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty damn strong. It's pretty damn strong, exactly. It's it doesn't have like a one hundred percent hit rate or anything like that, but it has a pretty high hit rate. And actually, the the hit rate uh, does vary from monster to monster, but there are some that it works really well on. So you almost always want to use it on those because they'll just stay asleep while you wail on them. But the flip side of that is some monsters can cast spell on you, can cast sleep on you, and that really sucks when it says, "Okay, you got hit." You are, you're still asleep. The monster does 10 damage to you. You're still asleep. And you're just watching your HP go down. You're like, oh shit, please. That's please Pokemon wake up. Pokemon right there. He just described Pokemon. <laughs> oh, really? Did that, did that yeah, have big problem that? with Pokemon. So, um, but, and then you also have spell, spells. There's one spell called Stop Spell. And if that's successful, then the other guy can't cast any spells on you. Or himself. Well, it's like, oh, interesting. So, um, so that's one that you get. And so speaking of spells, um, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's go down a list of things. I'm going to compare uh, Dragon Warrior to Final Fantasy 1, okay? So Final Fantasy 1 came out one year after Dragon Warrior. And I was kind of going through like a lot of the different elements. There are obviously many similarities. G- the general feel of the game, the fact that they're turn-based RPGs, 8-bit and all this they're very similar, but so, um, you know, in Final Fantasy, you've got your full your full party of four people, right? Yep. In Dragon Warrior, you are one guy. Oh, okay. Um, Final Fantasy, you get to choose classes for all your guys, right? Okay. Dragon Warrior, there's no class. <laughs> you are one guy. You get certain spells at certain levels, but other than that, you are attacking people and wearing armor. Um. Final Fantasy, you get to choose what spells you want to buy and all that. As I said, in Dragon Warrior, you get it's set what spells you get at certain levels and you automatically get them. Final Fantasy has a pretty wide variety of spells, right? Even if a lot of them maybe aren't very useful, there's a lot of different spells and you get. And don't work. <laughs> yeah, or don't work. Dragon Warrior, there's not really a great variety. There are kind of there are the ones that I just talked about and not much beyond that. Final Fantasy, tons of different weapons. Dragon Warrior, they're like five or six weapons in the game, in the whole entire game. Uh, Final Fantasy, there's an awesome monster variety. Dragon Warrior, 
There are like six or seven different monsters, basically. There will okay. I take that back. There are more than that, but there there are strong. There are like stronger versions of the same monster. Yeah, yeah. Repeat. Yep. So there are like four different types of. Is there so there's wyverns, skeletons, slimes. There's something called a gold man, which is kind of think of it as a rock monster. Magicians. You know, maybe maybe I'm not giving it enough credit. I still feel like Final Fantasy does have a lot more monster variety, but but Dragon Warrior actually does have a pretty good variety now that I think about it. There's little ghosts that, that look goofy. They wear hats and they stick out their tongue at you. Um, there's some dragons. There's some knights. I would that, hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, maybe, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It, it does have a pretty good variety, but I still say not as good as uh, Final, Final Fantasy monster variety is, is really pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I feel I like Dragon Warriors is good, not as strong as Final Fantasy. Um, I think Final Fantasy has better monster art. I think their sprites are a lot cooler. Um, battles. In Final Fantasy, it's you versus any, no- any number of monsters, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Dragon Warrior, it's always you versus one monster. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Um... There's a little bit of strategy, not a whole lot in Final Fantasy. In Dragon Warrior, it's basically, when you're fighting, it's just basically attack them or heal yourself. Final Fantasy has a much bigger world than Dragon Warrior does. Um, it is open world. It's it's big enough, but it's not Final Fantasy big. It's probably, I would say, maybe 60% the size of Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy doesn't have as much grinding, whereas grinding is the uh, basically the point of the game on this one. Um, as I said, there's only one place in the whole world to save. The uh, the story, you know, the story in Final Fantasy is also better. <laughs> it's the story. It's not great, but it's actually not too bad in Final Fantasy. There are some kind of interesting parts of it. Story in Dragon Warrior, very very basic. You got to mm-hmm. save the world from the Dragon Lord. Uh, which basically means get strong enough to fight him. Well, and and find him. Uh, there are like you don't automatically just know where he is. There are some things that you kind of have to figure out. You got to go around, talk to people, get this and get this object, and you'll find that. And then you can get through this place and all that kind of stuff. So it does have a little bit of that. But the story is, oh, this guy's taking over the world. You got to kill him. Whereas that's that's kind of it for Final Fantasy One, but it is a little bit more involved than that. Um. And this is debatable, but in my opinion, Final Fantasy also has much, much better music. The music on this one is fine, but it's also very repetitive. And I feel like Final Fantasy, the music is pretty strong. So, uh, so this is a game that in almost every way, Final Fantasy is better than. It also is basically 20 hours of, of just grinding I'm not joking. I would sit there for two hours just walking around grinding random encounters. And that's not like, again, I know know I'm repeating myself, but that wasn't one time where I had to do this. It's most of the times, like pretty much any time I played this game, I'll sit down and just grind for an hour or two. Usually I was doing something else at the same time, like playing chess on my laptop. And then, like, 
turn and then you know in between turns if i knew what i was if i didn't have to think too hard then i would like walk around and, and grind a monster so that being said i think there might be something wrong with me why because i liked it oh interesting <laughs> and i is i know this is hypocritical of me because i hate grinding in games i taught i bashed final fantasy 3 so badly because of the grinding uh that in that that game involved but i don't know what it is i've got a couple ideas i'll go through them but i really don't have a good excuse for liking this game but i really kind of liked it um I think part of it, I think there are a few things. Part of it is that the, I I think a big part of it actually is that the battles, even though they're pretty simple, they go by very quickly. There, as I said, you don't jump, you don't go to a different screen when you have a battle. You literally get a pop-up window with the monster. There's also no attack animations that you have to wait through, which I'm not saying that that's bad, no, those are bad. I turn those off in every game where I oh, do. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just you you hit the attack button and the monster flashes when you hit him. Um, there's no... here's This is a big one. There's no celebration scene after oh, every... Oh, <laughs> post-battle, yeah. After every battle. Which, as iconic as that is in Final Fantasy, and I... I like, at this point, for Final Fantasy in particular... You can't ever take that away, right? Like, it wouldn't be the same yep. if you didn't have that. But it does get old having to see the victory celebration. Yep, and the music and you hitting the freaking enter button or <laughs> confirm button, whatever <laughs> yes. it's called, yeah. Exactly, you're just mashing X or B or whatever it might be, trying to get through it. Dun, 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 and if there's dun, a long dun, load time after that screen, it's like, oh my god, just get me back to the open world, and then you get another fight, and you're like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. None of that. There's no victory. It's just, boom, thou hast done well in defeating the dragon. And then you're back to the overworld. Um, I really think those things went a long way to helping me like this. And I also, I wonder if maybe that's one of the reasons. It, it made me like, realize this might be part of why I don't like Mario RPG that much. The original one. Because... Mm-hmm. The battles, even though you do actually have to think about them a little bit and you do have to be engaged with the timed portions of it, you know, the timed aspects of battle, the battles in that game take a long time. They do. And I think, I wonder if that's maybe part of the reason that I get a little bit uh, impatient with that game. Um, But another thing of it is I think it felt good playing a JRPG that really felt kind of like the most pure like distilled version of a jrpg that probably exists because again this is as pretty much as basic as it gets yep (laughs) and uh, and, and, and along with that i really do love 8-bit sprites um so that part of it kind of you know appealed to me as well but really like gameplay wise i cannot recommend this game at all but i but i did really enjoy playing it um i didn't so for the grinding as i said that wasn't super fun but i but i just didn't mind it i would do something else while i was doing it and even if i wasn't even you know for the times where i like wasn't doing something else at the same time like for some reason i really didn't mind it and i kind of looked forward to 
going around and just making my guy a little bit stronger so that I could go off and get somewhere else that I hadn't been before. Part of the game for me was also strategizing a little bit like, okay, I've got this much HP, I've got this much MP. When should I start turning around and going back Yep. To town. <laughs> Definitely have done that, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were like, am I going to try to fight one more guy or should I go ahead and turn back now? You know, where, where you know, keeping in mind, I'm going to also have to fight people on the way back. Um, how far am I going to push this? That was, you know, there's there is a little bit of, of tension that gets there, especially if you are kind of low and you're like, oh shit, okay, I really do need to go back. Then you get in another battle and it turns out to be somebody really strong. You're like, oh shit, do I try to flee or do I maybe have enough HP to last and kill him? What am I going to do? Because, you know, fleeing is not, a you know, just like in any game, it's not 100% reliable. So uh, there there was some tension that was really kind of fun during during those parts. Um, so, yeah, even though 99% of the game is just grinding monsters, something something about the game still appealed to me. I think it's indefensible, <laughs> but... I also just can't, you know, ignore the fact that I didn't hate it. I kind of liked it. That's Maybe, interesting. I, did, I didn't think that's how you're going to close that out, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, it doesn't make sense. I can't, I really can't explain it very well besides, you know, the, the little bit that I tried to already. But uh, I agree with everybody who said, maybe you shouldn't play this. You know, having now played it, I agree with everyone who told me you shouldn't play it. Because I, somebody else, I would tell you the same thing right now. You're probably not going to like this game. For me, I have no fucking clue. But for some reason, I did. Maybe it's because maybe it's because I'm the world's biggest RPG fan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you think you're a masochist by chance? It is possible. Okay. I don't. I'm not sure though. I'll have to get back with you. I'll I'll try to figure it out between now and the next episode. Perfect. Uh, five reasons to Robert why Robert is a masochist. <laughs> Uh, back to what you were asking about the um the save, like it, how how crappy is it having to save at only one place? Um, the things that help that not be so bad. I mean, it definitely is inconvenient sometimes, but part of it is mm-hmm. the world's not that huge, so okay. it doesn't take forever to get back to. I mean, sometimes it does take you know maybe five or ten minutes, but it doesn't take fucking forever just to get back there. Also. Sure. There is a uh, an item that you can get. Uh, it's kind of expensive, but it but it will take you straight back to the castle where you can save. So it's like it's, a hearthstone. It's a one. It's a one use. It's a single use item. Oh damn! Yeah, but later, later in the game, you get a spell that called return, and it just takes you back to the castle. So all those things helped. Um, also, a few just kind of random funny things about the game that I that I jotted down. Uh, there are the, uh, there's the very wordy, you know, text box <laughs> that I talked about already. There's also, um, the, uh, there's this guy. So sometimes you'll talk to townspeople and there are a couple people who keep mentioning this guy named Nestor. And like one somebody might say, have you seen Nestor? Or like somebody's like, oh, Nestor, the great warrior Nestor went out and nobody's seen him since. Well, eventually you come across Nestor in one of the towns. Okay. And um, he says, uh, when you find Nestor, if you try to talk to him, he says, where am I? Wait, don't tell me. And that's it. What? 
I was expecting more, Robert. What the hell? <laughs> I was too. Uh, but that's that's all you get from Nestor. So I don't know what that's all about. My best guess is that maybe he's meant to like have uh, maybe he's meant to be amnesic or have like lost his memory or something, and it's kind of like a little bit of a mistranslation. And he's like, oh, and he actually doesn't know where he is. Um, that's my best. That's my theory. I really don't know though. Uh, there's also a a like kind of like a well on one level or in one town. And if you go, and there's a girl standing next to it. And if you talk to her, she says, "This bath cures rheumatism." <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh. There's a um, there's this one dungeon at one point that's that's pretty far. You ca- you kind of have to be fairly high level to get there, and so there's this guy that when you go into it, there's just this one wizard in there, and that's all there is. Uh, it's almost kind of like a, one of the Zelda caves. Gotcha. And uh, you're so you're supposed to take him some things, but if you don't know this. Like you can get, you can talk to him before you know that there's, oh, there's some guy that you have to take this stuff to. And so the first time I found him, I talked to him and I didn't know what was going on. I just wanted to see, you know, what he had to say. I talked to him and he says, you have failed in your task. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like what, what the fuck? I don't have it. Like what's my, what's this task that I failed at? What, What he's saying is like, you haven't brought me the stuff that you're supposed to bring me. Even though you didn't know you were on the quest. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, it has the same thing that Final Fantasy has, where when you turn the game off, you're supposed to oh. hold you're supposed to hold the reset button. Yep, and then turn it off. So I that definitely was, missed doing that a few times. Did you? Yeah. I I never. I thankfully always remembered to do it, but um, it's such a weird thing. Like obviously, it's something involving the hardware, and you know, like the battery pack of the. Of the Nintendo cartridge, so uh-huh. for some reason you have to you have to do it that way, but that's just how you had to do it. Um, and finally, there's this hilarious, like unintentionally hilarious message, or I thought it was funny, that I I don't know how it hasn't become a meme, maybe just because it's like not enough people have played the game. But uh, <laughs> there's so to um one healing I well the only healing item you can get there you can find it's just called herb, and you can find herb like in treasure chests and stuff or you can buy it at, there's there's you can buy it at stores and it's just a healing item, but when you find when you do find it in a treasure chest, uh if you open a treasure chest that has that has herb in it then you get this message that pops up and it says fortune shines upon the Thou hast found the herb. Oh yes, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is so good. I, I'm I'm so surprised that that hasn't picked up in some way. Uh, I, when I first saw it, I was like, "Why? How? How have I never seen this somewhere before?" Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it was it was a great message. Um, real quick, I want to just point out that I did a little bit of research on the game. Uh kind of while I was in playing, I was like, well, you know, the, this is kind of interesting. I, I want to just kind of learn a little bit more about the development of it, especially being considered, you know, the first JRPG. So it is considered the first JRPG. Uh, apparently, and maybe, maybe other, maybe, I'm sure some of our listeners know this, especially ones who, who know more about RPGs than I do. In Japan, this is actually like much more popular than Final Fantasy. Oh, the, 
the the, dra- the Dragon Quest series in general is considered much more popular, like much more mainstream than the Final Fantasy series. It's oh, kind- I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. And apparently, it's like kind of embedded into Japanese culture, kind of like I don't Final know. Fantasy is for us. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't think of really good. Like maybe kind of okay. like maybe more kind of like. Probably not to this extent, but maybe more kind of like Star Wars even. Um, probably not as strongly as Star Wars is, but like the example that I was reading is that like it might very easily come up in just everyday conversation. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's very, that's a, Star Wars is a great comparison. Maybe, you know, obviously I'm not an expert, but that's just kind of the vibe I got is that like it's a very commonplace thing. Everybody knows about, about Dragon, uh, about Dragon Quest. And uh, it's something that might, you know, just come up in, in conversation. In 2006, uh, the magazine, like the video, the Japanese video game magazine Famitsu had uh, the 100 best games of all time. Every single mainline Dragon Quest game was on the list. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So maybe so if that helps also kind of, you know, show you how popular it is there. And one more final little factoid. When Dragon Quest 3 came out in Japan, 300 kids were arrested for skipping school and hanging out in video game stores waiting to buy it. Huh. Nuts, right? That is nuts. <laughs> so yeah, there's my perhaps very odd, very conflicted rundown of Dragon Warrior. Um... I don't know if it's the aesthetic. I mean, like, even the aesthetics aren't as cool to me as Final Fantasy. Um, this one's a little bit more cartoony. Whereas Final Fantasy is, like, uh, more stylistic, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. Something about it just really caught me. To the extent that, not only did I like this, but I just bought the uh, most recent one that came out on Switch. Oh, cool. Dragon Quest Eleven, it's it's on it's on PS4 also, but the Switch version is like the it's like the special version. It's, I think it's the definitive edition, and and what I've read is that it actually is better than the PS4 version. So, uh, so I bought that, and I I just started playing it a couple days ago, and uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I'm very excited to play more dra- more Dragon Quest games now, and in fact, I already have another one. That I'm probably going to play fairly soon. It's not the second one. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but I will just say it's not the second one. And it's probably going to be a while before I actually talk about it. But I'm very excited to start playing more Dragon Quest games now. I don't know. It's, I mean, now that I'm, the, again, I'm the world's biggest RPG fan, I got to start. I was going to say, you're the world's biggest RPG fan. You got it. I got, I got to. <laughs> so our top five is our favorite Mario series I wonder if we've done this one before, maybe. I don't remember doing I was it. actually thinking about that earlier. I was like, have <laughs> we done this? I was like, I feel like Robert would have said something. Yeah, I, I bet. I, you know, I don't think we have, actually. I think I think I maybe would have remembered. Anyway, who cares? We're here now. Nothing we can do about it. Why don't you go for... Actually, I'll go first this time. Um, <laughs> favorite Mario series. Number five. Oh, geez. Now, now I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a last second adjustment to my list. My number five is going to be Mario Paint. Wow. I, I thought about putting that on here, but like I feel like it, I like Mario Paint, but I didn't feel it was strong enough. Maybe I should have. I don't know. 
It's we're counting that as a series, by the way, even though it's a single game series, just because it is kind of its own Mario thing. I, I realize that there's no more than one Mario paint. Um, and we're in. The, by the way, if <laughs> I should have also explained this, we're not counting the the main Mario games like. Super Mario yeah. Brothers doesn't count as a Mario series. We're, the top five is actually our favorite Mario series that aren't the main Mario games. Uh, so we should have said maybe Mario spinoff series. But uh, yeah, my I'm going to go with... So the one that I did have was Mario Pitcross. Because I do... Oh, okay. I really did. Even though, you know, the one on Super Nintendo, like I said, it was just... It was all right. The one on Game Boy, I really put a lot of hours into. But I think I, think I do like Mario Paint better. All right, what you got? Cool. Uh, my number five is Mario Kart. I'm not a huge Mario Kart person, wow. but I do enjoy occasionally playing through some of the. I, I just I never really enjoyed it that much as, as a kid. I like I I played with my friends. I enjoyed it. it. wasn't It wasn't my favorite thing to play. I, I'm more. I generally like things that are more co-op oriented or have a little bit more depth to them. I don't always enjoy playing Mario Kart. Every once in a while, I get a craving for it, and then it dies out pretty quick. It's just. Like, if I'm going to play a game like this, I want to play Diddy Kong Racing, and I want to play through the campaign. I, f- I find that really, really fun. But um, I, I do enjoy it, just not really nearly as much as anybody else. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. My number four is Mario Party. I mean, what can you say? It's a it's a great party game series for the most part. I, think there are, I mean, I haven't played a ton of them. I've played the Nintendo 64 one. I've played the... The Switch one, of course. The Wii U one. That might be it. Um, but there, I mean, it's it's we've talked about it before. It's one of those uh, series where like anybody can play it. You can play it with your family. They don't have to like be good at video games. They don't have to play video games. And uh, it's still uh, you you know depending I I probably depending on which one you play. It's still a bunch of fun. Yeah, what's nice too is is generally they have the formula down right. So it's like they're not going to totally fuck that series up. It's pretty consistent. For the most part, there's a couple that are pretty bad, especially the newer one. Some of one of the some of the newer ones, but oh um, really? Yeah, they Which... they removed a lot of the fun mechanics. Out of it. They they added it in the one afterwards. I think it was maybe it was the Wii U one that really flopped. Hmm. But um, one of them was really bad, and then recently, the one the Wii U one, or there might there might even be more than one Wii U one. The one Probably. the Wii U one that I have, I actually kind of liked, and I think it is different, but it's different in a good. Is it the one without the dice block? No, 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 no. It, it okay. does have dice blocks. Okay. Uh, the one that I had is uh, like one person. I think there might be multiple, like a couple different modes, but I think the main mode is actually one person is Bowser and they're kind of, it's kind of like Bowser versus everybody else. Interesting. And it's still kind of like a board game style where like you're rolling and go in a certain number of things, but uh, like Bowser's kind of more powerful and and it's and it's you versus everybody in some way or another. I don't remember exactly how it works, but it, but it, I think it, they did a pretty good job with it, with that one. Cool. Uh, my number four is Doctor Mario. Uh, really enjoy playing Doctor <laughs> Mario. Obviously, it's it's a a different perspective of Tetris. The last time you and I played, did we play we played Tetris for our competition? But I played a decent amount of uh, Doctor Mario. I think for the podcast either this year or last year. I don't remember anymore? But yeah, I, think um, so. I really enjoyed it. It's the the main story or the main main campaign. Um, obviously, very repetitive, but just the idea of, of just focusing on trying to eliminate the viruses is pretty fun. Then, obviously, you have the basic uh, the basic clearing mechanic that you do in Tetris as well. 
But I always found Mario, Dr. Mario pretty enjoyable. I also enjoyed Tetris, so it's kind of the, obviously the same vein. Cool. I was wondering if this was going to be on your list. All right. Yeah. Number three for me. Oh, gosh, I'm having another uh, crisis of conscience. Uh-oh. You can't put Paper Mario uh, Paint on there again. Try. Paper Mario Paint? No, no, so you can't put Mario Paint on there oh, again. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Mario vs. Donkey Kong for this one. This is So the first of these was just called Donkey Kong, so arguably this isn't a Mario spinoff. The second one was indeed called Mario vs. Donkey Kong, but I would consider the series the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series because the first one... So so this is the puzzle platformer series where you are Mario and you are like going through these little levels that are kind of just... Again, they're puzzle levels where like there's a key in one place and there's a door in one other place. You got to figure out how to get to the key. Sometimes you got to like get, you know, jump over hazards. Sometimes you got to like throw blocks this way and that and jump on stuff. And it's just a puzzle of figuring out how to get there, how to get it back to the door and then go on to the next level. Um, The first one is oddly called just Donkey Kong, even though it's definitely not the original Donkey Kong game. It's this game where you're... uh you're doing the stuff that I just said. It was on Game Boy. <laughs> and then Mario vs. Donkey Kong was basically the sequel to this. And it was on Game Boy Advance. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's my number three is the, is what I'm calling the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series. Those two games. Okay. So my number three is the Mario and Luigi series. So that's what I wanted to look to make sure that the first one had come okay. out within the, the timeline. It did. It came out in 2003. Yeah. I've really enjoyed these games. These are, uh, these are turn-based, very, very, very the RPGs, the RPGs. Yeah. 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 Well, specifically I'm thinking of, uh, there's, there's a couple of them obviously, but uh, the ones that I'm thinking of, or the ones specifically thinking of is the one that was for a Game Boy Advance. Um, and so what I really enjoy about these games is like, obviously you have the, the turn-based combat, but it has like the timed inputs, which I like, I know you're not a huge fan of, um, it's got the Mario theme to it, so there's there's some uh, friendly faces, there's some regular faces in terms of the bad guys you see. As well, there's a lot of interactions in the outer world that are that are pretty unique to it. And then it also has itemization, kind of what we were talking about before of categorizing things as a JRPG. It has a lot of those elements, but it's got the Mario sort of creative spice to it that that makes it very enjoyable. So I really enjoy these series. I the first one for Game Boy Advance, I definitely played it a few times. Uh, the first one is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Okay, yes, yeah. okay, Superstar Saga. We played, yeah, we played that as I think Game of the Quarter. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's Game of the Quarter not too long ago. I love it too. In fact, this is my number two as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna Enjoy. say like the Mario RPGs in general, but yeah, that's I was there too. But for me, Mario and Luigi would be more accurate because, as I said, I didn't really care for the original Mario RPG. And I haven't actually played, like, Paper Mario or... I haven't... All the other ones I've played are just the Mario and Luigi games. So, uh, yes, more accurately, I'm glad you said this, uh, Mario and Luigi. I I loved Superstar Saga. I've played uh, Paper Jam, which is not a classic game. Came out really not that long ago, but I really, really loved it. That That was my favorite one. And I think I've played, I, those might even just be the only two, but I think I might've played one other possibly. Uh, but yeah, they are, they're great. Cool. 
So, uh, my number two over to me, I think, right? Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, because you just went, you just went. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yes, you're, you're number two. No worries. Uh, my number two is Mario Party. Uh, no surprises here, big fan of Mario Party. I've played a variety of them throughout the years, spent a lot of time doing it. This is kind of my Mario Kart. I, I, I feel like, as a kid, I enjoyed playing Mario Party much more than I did Mario Kart, because I felt like there was a lot more individual skill that went into it. Now, there is some bullshit RNG, especially if you're playing as Mario, but, you know, I do really enjoy them. I think I think they're super fun, and they're, they've been hit or miss throughout the years, but I've played a good majority of them, and I've always had um, at least some level of fun playing them. All right, my number one is uh, Mario Kart. <laughs> that was kind of funny, because you were like, yeah, this uh, I don't really love it, but it's okay. Uh, this has got to be my favorite series. I mean, I haven't even played, I mean, there, there are several that I haven't even played, like maybe about half of them I haven't played, but obviously the, the original on Super Nintendo was so much fun. It was, it was such a, like a new thing at the time as well. Uh, the 64 one I thought was pretty good. Well, I thought it was good. Definitely. Then the, uh, there's one on 3DS. I think it's Mario Kart seven. Which is which is really good. Mario Kart Double Dash. I have not played, but it's supposed to be. Hunter really likes that game. It's supposed to be like the best one. I gotta play it sometime soon. The Wii one I did not like. The Wii U one, which was also the one that they re-released on Switch, I thought was awesome. And uh, yeah, I so just overall, I think it's a it's a great series. I don't love all of them, but I do love them in general. Is that everything? That's it. All right. So this is perfect then because I put Mario Kart really low. You don't like RPG, Mario RPGs. And my <laughs> number one is Mario RPGs. So, you're, uh, so, you're, really, so you differentiate between the Mario RPG series and the Mario and Luigi series? Yeah, I would say so. Because I mean, okay. I look at uh, most of the, the Super Mario, excuse me, the Mario and Luigi are, are so like the RPGs are primarily for handhelds. And for some reason, in my mind, I, I categorize them as different okay. types of games. Sure. That may, that's fun. Uh, but the original ones, the one for Super Nintendo and then the ones for N64 and so on and so forth, you know, Paper Mario, Super Mario RPG. I've always really enjoyed playing those games. It's it's for me, they're they're very enjoyable. I love um, the sort of Mario-esque humor. I love, again, the, the button inputs. I love the different mechanics they have with items you have and the overall humor and tone of those games i think is very enjoyable and it's a nice breath of fresh air from the final fantasy series if you will just because those games are usually high high drama like super high something crazy is happening whereas in mario it's like something ridiculous and and very predictable right peach has been kidnapped or in some cases bowser's not the bad guy he's actually on your team like i always really enjoyed that kind of curveball especially the first couple times they did it so I really enjoy a lot of these these uh, the different RPG games that they brought throughout the years, um, and I, I, you know, I, every time I go back and play them, I usually have a really good time. They are, I mean, even though I don't love them, they are they are so charming. Um, well, I say they. It's a good. That's the a good only word, one of charming, those. Yeah. The only one of those I've played is the original, but it it is so funny as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and it is it's humor that both parents and adults can get right. It's like it's yeah. like a Pixar movie. There, there's good humor, there's slapstick humor, but there's also some pretty, like, oh, shit. Like, do you remember, <laughs> is it Super Mario RPG where you can go into Peach's bedroom and you can find her underpants? Yeah, well, you find a XXX, and it doesn't say what it sorry, is. Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to call it out, but yeah. <laughs> or no, it's just like XXX or question mark, question mark, or something like that. Um, I think it, I think it was actually XXX, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all it is. And yeah. then... Uh, 
yeah, so I, I guess that it was supposed to be, uh, but maybe that's arguable. <laughs> and then, sorry, spoilers. And then one of the um, like mushroom people, like who's her maid, she says, "Like, oh wait, what are you doing? Give, give that to me." <laughs> then I dash out of the room. Yeah, that was that one. And all, my favorite part, the fu- like to me, the funniest part in that whole game is this one part where you are talking to one of the to one of the toads, and it's early on. And they're like, oh, you got to save the princess, you know, this and that. And you're talking to one toad in a town. And uh, he says, oh, I know you, I know you're going to take care of everything, Mario. Hey, Mario, he goes, show me what you, show me what you're going to do to Bowser when you get to him. And after a second, you realize that you're supposed to hit a button and you might try a couple buttons and none of them do anything. But when you hit the jump button, Mario jumps up and like does the typical Mario jump with his fist in the air. And the toad goes, oh man, Bowser doesn't stand a chance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny when you when you specified having his hand in the air because i already pictured that yeah yeah but uh yeah definitely a, a classic series cool all right so cool. our next top five next top five is gonna be and we may have done this one before as always but uh but we're gonna roll with it anyways to, uh side characters who deserve their own games if we have done it it's been years let's go into emails we got two of them Two whole emails. You ready for this? Yep. Alright, first one. Uh actually, do you mind taking the first one? No, not at all. This one, while I'm while I'm getting it pasted for Jay to read, this one is from Chase the Night Cleaner. Oh, I don't want to read it then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Chase says, Hello gentlemen, Chase the Night Cleaner here with a much delayed email. Yeah, Chase. First off, an apology. I'm sorry for missing two full episodes and email sections. It's embarrassing when you consider I engaged directly and retweeted both notifications when those would hit. That is true. I have no good excuse. I will strive to do better. We expect it. We're going to put you on a performance plan, by the way, Chase. Uh, Chase goes on to say, also, I cannot believe I missed a Jeff episode. Favorite quote of the episode, when you cut yourself, do you suck your own blood? (laughs) I'm sorry, my dude. I did not get a question of the day in for you, Jeff, next time. Uh, Moving on. Jay, as a fan of the Dynasty and Samurai Warrior games, all the way back to Dynasty Warriors 2 at our PS2 launch game. I actually didn't know that. Um, I've got to say those castle fight levels in Samurai Warriors are some of the next level bullshit. Yeah, those were abs. I forgot about that, man. That is something that Dynasty Warriors obviously doesn't have, and that just makes it a thousand times better. I absolutely forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Chase goes on to say, absolute worst part of those games. I applaud and support your opinion on that. Thank you, Chase. In a rare show of support, I've decided to engage in your top five, but we'll start by saying that I sample all type of Mario in all its offshoots, and though I love carts and parties... There's only one side plate of Mario that properly earns my respect as much, excuse me, respect as being a game so different from Super Mario Brothers and yet so educational. Number one, Mario Golf. All games. You heard me. Mario Golf is the, oh, I don't even know how to say this word. How do you say uh, that word? Edutainment? Edutainment, you do? yeah. What does that mean? Uh, it's like a game that's meant to be an educational game. Oh, I see. It's a combination. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a game where you never know you loved. Every fucking thing I know about golf, I learned from these games right here. <laughs> I, I learned what clubs to use, how the wind and weather will impact a course, what a handicap is, what under par means, how you use a putter, how to engage with, with timed response mechanics. I learned, uh, learned that different golfers just naturally had different swings. This is information I would never engage with anywhere else in my life. I hate golf. 
for all those kind of personal reasons, but I love Mario Golf and can't wait for a new addition to this story franchise on the Switch. It will happen, I, and I can't wait. Yeah, Mario Golf, Mario Baseball are very, very popular. I would be very yeah. surprised if Mario they Ten- Mario Tennis also. Mario Tennis, yeah, that's right. Uh, and now for the question of the day, and I actually want to reach back in the past for both of you, because though you occasionally talk about it, I would love to hear some stories. What was one of your favorite stories from being involved in the competitive StarCraft II scene? And if you have a secret surprise guest, just ask them what they were doing almost 10 <laughs> years ago now. Uh, do you want to go first, Rob? Um, okay, yeah, sure. So, like, so I don't have, I don't really know if I have, like, a particular story. Like, not what about one... Suppy, though. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk about that. But... I, uh, yeah, well, yeah, good... well uh, yeah, that's kind of an inside joke. There was one guy named Suppy. He was not, well, he was on EG eventually, but not at first. But, like, right when he was starting to be popular, um, I was doing an interview where we were actually at the same location as a lot of the players and some of the other writers were there. And I, in, in our interviews, they, we were doing like video interviews with them to post on the website. And like, I was asking like, there's, it, it was the first tournament where Seppi really kind of came out and was doing really well against a lot of people. So I asked some of our players, Hey, did you get to play against Seppi? What'd you think of him? And like one of our other writers really, <laughs> did not like for some reason really he, did he not thought that, he thought that the organization didn't want us talking about other players and just to focus on the players that were that were playing for our team it, he had, he was completely misunderstood or he completely misunderstood it but. yeah yeah okay yeah i think that's probably it you're, you're probably right i never that's really guess, gave yeah. it too much thought and it wasn't like he was so much like telling me you can't do this because i mean he was just another writer like me but he was like <laughs> what was it he said like Dude, don't fucking talk about Suppy anymore. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like he really, I'll never forget that. He was really like, you can't keep talking about Suppy. I'm like, I'm just asking a question about this play. Like, chill out, dude. And like, he's one of our friends too. He's a great guy. But I don't know. Like, he's he, 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 he really like, he honestly was like that serious about it. He was like, can't fucking talk about Suppy anymore. Like, stop asking about Suppy. Like, it's. I was like, hey, it's okay. I'm gonna ask him about Suppy, and <laughs> everything's gonna be all right. That the was... best part about it is Rob and I, uh, Rob drove back with me to Phoenix uh, to see his sister. <laughs> and it's a five and a half hour drive. And my girlfriend was in the car for five and a half hours straight. Robert and I literally quoted this, this scene all the way back into Phoenix. <laughs> and I just remember Lisa wakes up at one point. She goes, you guys are still talking about him? <laughs> I forgot about that. That was so funny. That was, that was insanely ridiculous and funny at the same time like i could not stop laughing the whole time we seriously just kept like saying don't fucking talk about soapy yep. <laughs> laughing we're, about we're quoting this kid for the entire run he's a good person but it was just so funny <laughs> yeah it was really funny um all right oh you got more go ahead well i've got more but if you want to go why don't you go sure we can probably go back and forth a bit because i have yeah, a couple, couple interesting ones so I'm going to do one that is not a, not from my perspective, but from one of the most iconic things that happened in StarCraft II and one of the most memorable things. So back in the day, back in the early days of StarCraft II, there was a player named uh, Greg Idrafields who played for Evil Geniuses, transitioned from Brood War, had an incredible career in Brood War, was known as one of the you know strongest non-Korean players. And he was on the, t- the company that I, Robert and I worked for, which was Evil Geniuses. And at the time, Sorry, I think this, you, cut, this... you, cut, you cut out for a second. It's oh. evil, evil geniuses was the name of the team. Yeah. Here, I'm going to turn down my attenuation just to make sure that doesn't cause any issues. Okay. 
um, and at the time he had a rivalry with a player on a competitor or another team named Huck, Chris Huck Loringer. And they butted heads constantly, like constantly, constantly, constantly. And they would talk shit to each other in games. And they also, it ultimately caused issues at some of the tournaments because they weren't allowed to talk to each other because it was like fear that they were going to get violent with each other. <laughs> and and, it was funny because Huck was always, he thought it was kind of, you could tell he thought it was hilarious and he just wanted to egg him on all the time. But Idra yeah. really had a reputation for like, yeah, getting very angry. And uh, yeah, so it would, like, it would actually piss him off where you could tell Huck is just like playing around trying to egg him on. Yeah, and it was really challenging because Greg had like this. He he had, came from you know very very young age. He we went over to create a play StarCraft. So he was very he was in his teens when he went over to create a play StarCraft professionally. So I think some of the culture may be a little bit different, but he was definitely frustrated that Chris would, or Huck would not show respect to him during games. And obviously, Chris used that to his advantage because he would purposely BM uh, Idra in order to get him to tilt and then Idra that means bad manner that means bad manner by the way yeah he would be bad manner bad manner I mean he would do things like cheese him where he'd do like rush builds or do like really cheeky things and it would tilt Greg off the face of the planet so there was a series one of the most iconic moments in Starcraft 2 history ever I already know Uh, what you're going to talk about yeah so Greg is light years ahead of uh, uh, sorry I'll use their their gamer name so Idra is light years ahead of Huck like it was it was one of those games where you're just kind of watching it. You know it's over. You know, one of the players is going to win. And the commentators at that point were just kind of like, you know, just kind of talking through it. And there was a, an ability. There's a the unit called the Sentry. It's like this little really squishy unit that has um, MP to use abilities. And one of the abilities it can use is called Hallucination. And Hallucination makes a hallucination of a unit that you choose. And the unit does no damage. And it has half as much health and shields. And it dies very, very quickly in comparison to a, an authentic unit. And so Greg was light, or Idra was light years ahead. Like, like if I got in the hot seat, I could have won. Like, it, they were that mm-hmm. far ahead that there was yeah. there was no way he could lose this. And the worst part was in StarCraft II, early on especially, there's a lot of paper rock scissors mechanics. So if you have if you have X unit, they need Y unit to counter. If they don't have Y unit, they they basically lose. And Greg had an X, and and or excuse me, uh, Idra had an X, and Huck did not have a Y. He and the Y is what he ultimately hallucinated. He hallucinated like seven of these things. They're called void rays. And he was going to use it to kill his uh, broodlords, which are the X unit I was talking about. And so he has a Greg, bunch. So he has a bunch of fake void rays that literally do zero damage. In other words, yeah, in his army, and it, it's it's actually crazy. So so at the last second, Huck just hallucinates a bunch of these void rays, and he basically starts walking towards Idra. Idra sees it, doesn't engage, and leaves the game. Doesn't say anything, just leaves the game, and. Everybody, to everybody's astonishment, this happened. So Huck's face was priceless because he was like, holy shit, I thought I was going to lose and I was just doing some fun. <laughs> 100% just bluffed his way out of it. The commentators were really confused because they, for a second, they thought maybe those were real void rays and they just didn't realize that Huck had them or something. Uh-huh. Like they were trying to justify what happened and nobody got it. And afterwards, uh, Huck said it to him on stage and there's this there's an iconic photo of Greg saying fuck you to him across the stage because... Obviously, he came out and was immediately like, "Hey, did you know those were hallucinations? Like, or something, right?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, was, it was that oh was classic. God, that one was brutal. That was one of the classic Idra rage quits. Uh, he had many more. Yeah, by the way. I remember there was this one match where he was playing, and uh, Day Nine, who was like the who was the most the most popular of the commentators for StarCraft. Yeah. He, he X-Pro. Goes, yeah. He, there was, this was in another tournament. He, it was commentating one of Idra's games and it was the same thing. And I don't know. We, I don't even remember what happened, but Idra was like pretty far ahead. And uh day nine jokingly goes, 
yeah, so we can see Idris so far ahead right now. Um, and uh, so now's probably about the time where he's just going to quit the game. And right when he said that, it says Idris left the game. Yep. It was like he, he was scouting and saw one one little thing that made him think the other guy was ahead to where he couldn't win. So he just quit. And, and I will say, you know, Greg did play at the time when I would argue that Zerg was probably the weakest uh, in the early days of StarCraft 2. Terran was definitely the strongest the strongest race in Wings of Liberty, I, I would say without a doubt. So, like, they're, they're, uh, to, I know there's no credit to, to him leaving that game, but I, I do understand where, Gre- where Greg was coming from because there were not a, a whole lot of high, like, Zerg, Zerg is just winning all the tournaments, right? It was primarily Terrans who were winning tournaments yeah. at that time. I also do want to say Huck and Idra ultimately joined. Uh, Huck was purchased by Evil Geniuses, and they joined the same team. And I remember because they, they made it a big deal. Like, oh, yeah, Huck and, and Idra are going to be friends. Like, it's not a big deal. And I remember everybody's like, yeah, right. Like, you, you know <laughs> that they are not getting along well. Yeah. I, so. I, 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 I don't think they probably did either. Yeah. Um, my favorite to encapsulate one memory would be going to well actually i'd say there are two things that, that really were my favorite part of being involved in all that one was at the time these guys like idra and huck and in control and some others were like superstars like yeah and we got to like interact with them directly like not that we were like hanging out with them really or anything well i mean in some cases some of us were but like we would get to interview them for, you know, and they would post the interviews on Evil Genius's website. You know, there's a tournament coming up. Let's get some interviews with Idra and, and LZ Gamer and these guys. Who wants to do it? And, and like, that was something that people, like, other people would have kind of, like, almost killed to do back then. <laughs> to have a chance to, like, interview some of these guys. For us at the time, it was really cool just to, just to get to, like, talk to them for a little bit in some cases and yeah. get an interview. Sometimes, some of them didn't interview very well. Oh. Uh... Like some of them were notorious for giving like one word answers and they just didn't want to do it. But others, especially like even Idro, he was really good about doing interviews for all the times that I talked to him in control was the best. He was always the nicest yeah. guy to interview. Uh, also LZ gamer, which I think is pop is probably because he wasn't really that popular and he didn't really do that great. So I think he kind of like, you know, had to play along, you know, to the best yeah. that he could to kind of stay around. He like, I interviewed him a couple times. He was really nice. He was a really fun guy to talk to. Who is uh, bad, Robert? I have to <laughs> you can say, I'm not going to say, but I don't care if you, if you want to say it, it's okay. I, I don't think you would care. So, so uh, machine was a, was a Zerg player for evil geniuses. And I actually developed a really good personal relationship with down the line when I helped to manage their house in Phoenix. Uh, and I really like machine and he was going through some really challenging times, especially early on in Starcraft two, but he was notorious for delaying, get doing the interview over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then when you finally get it back, it's like, hey, uh, who are you looking forward to playing against most in the upcoming tournament? Don't care, just want to win. Uh, what is what? What, what have you been practicing specifically? Like, what are you? What what types of things are you doing outside of just grinding ladder, just laddering? Like it, it was like the most <laughs> basic response. Like when we got it back, in most cases, we'd go to the the head writer or the whatever his, his title was, editor in chief, and be like. This is what we got back. Yeah, let's just not do that. Yeah, let's like, just skip that one. No, we can't post this. <laughs> that, yeah. That's actually not who I was thinking of. Um, oh, but the person I was thinking of, he would. I think I maybe only interviewed him once or twice because like nobody wanted to, and he would wait 
45 minutes between me asking a question and him giving me an answer. Because we would do it on Skype. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be like, hey, hey, is this a good time now? Like, this what, is the time we talked about. Way? Protoss. And, uh, for EG. Interesting. I don't remember a lot. <laughs> uh, oh, you're not talking about who we're talking about before. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that he, that Huck was a, uh, what's the word? He was kind of a princess. That, he uh, had a reputation. He had a reputation. And so I would, I'd get on and be like, hey, is this still a good time? He'd say, yeah, just, you know, keep in mind, I got like a couple things going on. I'm like, yeah, sure. Because he was in Korea, I think, at the time. But yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Whatever. So I'd ask him a question. 45 minutes later, I'd get an answer. Okay, thanks. So here's my next question. Another 45 minutes later. And it was the same kind of answers as you were talking about. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm ready. So what you what have you been doing in practice? Uh, just practicing, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Not, and not it's surprising because. Yes, this was for Robert, or obviously for Robert and I to grow our brand. But at the same time, this is free branding, right? So you're you're a pro player. You're trying to up your values so that you get paid more money. Why would you not take the opportunity to leverage? You're a part of a team for a reason, right? They're, they weren't necessarily practicing with one another. They, I'm sure they were to some extent. It wasn't like they were leveraging all the managing and training that were available and the coaching that was available because that wasn't available at the time. So it's like, why the fuck were you on a team? You were there for a salary. Okay, how do you grow your salary? We need a bigger brand. Oh, okay. Because I mean, Jeff, right? Jeff, I love Jeff to death. And I just remember when you were talking about, by the way, that, that he passed. But, um, you know, in, in Control was was a player that added so much value to himself thoroughly by his brand. I mean, he oh, never yeah. really had a breakout moment. He had a couple of decent placements and tournaments, but he never won anything, right? Yeah. But he was still one of the, if not most well-known players in North America for the longest time. And it's like, you think about that, it just, it always confused me. Cause it's like, guys, we're doing this for you. Like, yeah, we're doing this for selfish reasons as well, but it's also going to benefit you greatly. Yeah, uh, exactly. And some of them just like, didn't get that or just didn't care, which. And they were young and I get it. They exactly. were young. They were living in a, in a freaking gaming house. And I had to, I had to clean that house, like not clean house, but I had to get ready for, for moving. So I know they're, they're a bunch of degenerates, which I, to be honest, if I was 19 years old and getting paid, you know say thirty, forty thousand dollars a year to play a video game. Yeah, hell yeah. Probably be a degenerate myself. So Yep. <laughs> probably so. I think my single favorite memory, if if it counts as one, is was going to MLG Anaheim. MLG was the major league gaming. That was like the one of the major tournaments. Yeah, uh the major circuits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back when uh StarCraft was big and so one of the big events they had in Anaheim and, and a lot of us that wrote for EG. A lot of us went and met up and, and hung out together and uh and really met each other for the first time in person. Uh at, at this for Robert and I met. <laughs> yeah, at this particular event. And um and that was really fun seeing the like the guys that that, that you've been hanging that, you know, so like all the writers, we would hang out and Skype like pretty much all day long while we were doing, you know, whatever it is we did during the day. And yep. uh, just kind of like chatting and, and stuff. And so it was good to meet everybody. Maybe, you know, one or two. Of the, I guess I met in control. He was probably the only actual player that I met. Um, and then, uh, but like just going to that event was so much fun because we got to meet each other. We got to, the the event itself was fun. Getting to kind of like see all these, these like really good players play live. But also they, uh, Evil Geniuses at this particular event, they had an after party. Oh yeah. One of the nights. And, Warcraft. uh. Barcraft is that what that's that's what they called it, isn't it? Yeah, early we got, Barcraft. We got to all go. We got to like this was actually pretty cool. We got to all go. Not only go to it for free, but they let us like in the VIP lounge of this event, and we got free drinks as well. Mm-hmm. It was 
actually kind of a killer deal. But do you remember? I had forgot about this. I was thinking about this um, earlier. I, I skimmed through uh, Chase's email beforehand. And so you remember, so they had this after party. They wanted us to hand oh, out, no. like help them hand out flyers for it. So like more people oh, yeah. would come. So they're like, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll help you hand out. Like we weren't getting paid to do it, but they're, you know, we were there and they were like, Hey, can you help us out? So we did. And so like we were handing out flyers. So the, the editor in chief of the website, uh, our friend Lucas, he, his like handle in Starcraft was EG Colby. Because he was, uh, like, Colby was always the name that he used playing StarCraft. And he used to, back in Brood War, he did play, like, some low-level professional StarCraft along with, like, In Control and Idra and stuff. So he, he kind of knew them personally. So he was a good person to kind of be, like, in charge of the website and stuff. And when, when we were handing out flyers, do you remember us saying, like, hey, EG After Party, EG Colby's going to be there? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I do remember that. Nobody knows who the hell E.G. Colby is. Like, if we had said Idra's going to be there, which I, he probably was, like, that would have been much more, like, helpful. But we just thought it would be hilarious to tell everybody E.G. Colby's going to be there. Hey, come on, you coming to the E.G. after party? E.G. Colby's going to be there. <laughs> I do remember that. And then, like, so we got free drinks. We got to hang out in the VIP lounge. And then, <laughs> this is really lame but it's like really funny because it's so lame when i was walking uh up to when i was walking into this this after party thing there was a big there was a pretty big line of people like waiting to get in oh yeah (laughs) and like so i've got an eg shirt on and like i'm sure some sort of like i don't remember what they had i had something yeah lanyard or something i remember walking like just get, walking past everybody to get to the front of, like to just to go in because I could do that because I was you know part of EG. As I was walking past everybody, literally, some guy like right when I walked past him, some guy turns around to his friend. He goes, "That's so cool." What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, I'm so uncomfortable. I was too. I was like, dude, like you know, it's not that cool. <laughs> I mean, obviously, take, I didn't say. Take it down a couple notches. Yeah, let's take it. Let's take it down a couple notch. But um, I know you remember this, Jay. When we got to the VIP lounge, one oh, of no. our friends, one of our friends, was very excited about the fact that he got to be in a VIP lounge, <laughs> and he just like there were couches back there, and we were. You, want me to do it? you can do it. We were we were sitting. Me and Jay were sitting on the couch, and he came and sat next to us. No, no, he was on his, so Robert and I are sitting on one, one segment of this couch. He's on another segment by himself, and it, it's it's big enough to have three people on there, and he's, like, nodding his head slowly, and he throws his arms up on either side of the upper portion of the couch and goes, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert and I lost, and that was another thing that we were quoting the entire drive home. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Lisa, I told Lisa about that too. She was, oh no, she was there. She helped us. That's right. She did. She was there. Oh, was she it. there for the thing? Yeah, because she helped us pass out flyers and shit. Oh my gosh. Fuck you. Yeah. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will definitely never forget that either. Um, that was even better than that. So cool. Um, and then the only other thing was remember how this wasn't even an EG related thing. This was just the MLG Anaheim in general. You oh, remember? Jesus. You couldn't bring any food or drinks in. So, so you're are you talking, just, is this the Dr. Pepper one? Yeah, all you're allowed that, to drink is Dr. Pepper. Wasn't that the Columbus one that they did that, or was it Anaheim as well? The only one I went to was Anaheim. That may have been oh, true for other Columbus ones. too. And I'm sure they did. Like, they had a deal with Dr. Pepper or something like that. You can go get free Dr. Like, there was just a Dr. Pepper stand 
where you could just go, walk walk up and just grab it like a free Dr. Yeah, Pepper. you didn't want it. You, you did not want it. You wanted water, and they didn't yeah, have fucking water. All you water. wanted was water. You're there all day long. Yeah, and, and it's like a Costco flooring, so it's like that really hard flooring, so you want to like sit down for a little bit and just drink some water, and it's just like, oh, here's a Dr. Pepper. It's like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm really looking for some water. Hey, here's another Dr. Pepper. There's not even uh, water fountains. Yeah. There was no way of getting it. You, you had to leave to get water you couldn't i brought i brought it in with me because they didn't really check your bags that thoroughly i like brought my whole lunch with me even though you're not supposed to have food or drinks so like i did a pretty good job of like there, there's no way of staying hydrated if you actually didn't bring anything with you because no your stomach would be killing you <laughs> just dr pepper was all you're allowed to drink yeah no thank you oh man those my- are- Huh? My, my last thing is more of a personal thing. So obviously we've talked about this before, but in the early days of Starcraft, um, it really is. It's interesting because I transitioned from playing WoW semi-professionally and I did some commentating and some, some interviews and stuff like that in WoW, but it wasn't really anything substantial. But in Starcraft 2, I really strictly just took a shot to start commentating because I really enjoyed um, analyzing like high-level replays and realistically just kind of talking about it. And from a lot of encouragement from you and from other people with an EG, I ended up uh, applying because IPL, which was a great company at the time, unfortunately was purchased by the fuckers that are Blizzard and then squashed. But uh, IPL was a segment of IGN, and they did a like caster tournament thing where they basically you submit your uh, you submit videos of you casting, and then if you win, you get to move on, and then eventually if you get far enough in, then you go to the you get to go to the event and cast it live. And so for me, it was really exciting because this is the first time I really had started commentating and I applied and I got into the, the program for it and I went through the whole session of it. And at the end of it, you were supposed to start developing your own YouTube channel. And then based on the popularity of your YouTube channel, you would get to go to the event live. And I didn't understand that part of it because this is the very, this is like early days of YouTube for, for a lot of people. This is like 2009, probably 2010, maybe at the very latest. No, no, no. This was about... This no, this is more like 2012. No, really? Yes, because this really? was a, this was after I wrote the book that StarCraft book, like the. This was after that. The IPL stuff, yeah, it was. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Well, regardless, still kind of the early days of YouTube. So I, especially for for a lot of people, people didn't really understand how YouTube in terms of like growing a channel works and stuff like that, and so. Uh, I posted videos, but I didn't really do anything to promote it. And so I ended, ended up not making it through. And it was kind of shitty because I was like, oh, I, if I would have known, like I would have definitely put more effort into growing my channel. Yeah, realistically, yeah. what I was doing is just like practicing commentating, practicing commentating, analyzing videos and playing a lot. Like I was trying to get very high on ladder, which I ultimately did to really get, give myself credibility because one of my biggest criticisms at the time is a lot of commentators were not high ranked. And I don't think that you necessarily need to be high ranked to be a commentator in video games. However, I think it it does give you a huge leg up because when you're watching a high level game of StarCraft or any game for that matter, if you play it, there are things that you can contribute as a commentator that other players will miss. And even in a lot of yeah. cases, it's small things. And chess, like a lot of people have said, or excuse me, StarCraft is, is a lot like chess, a lot of people have said, which is a lot of you know really small moves that ultimately turn into a much larger strategy. And so having that sort of foundation underneath you gives you a leg up on competition. So um, but the best part about it, though, is even after I didn't make it through, I received an invitation from IPL to cast at the event. So even though I didn't make it through the, the actual the, the whole process of the competition, they were like, oh, no, shit, we still want you there, um, which was really cool. And I got paid. Yeah. It was like I got paid fifteen hundred dollars to go to Vegas, which I was 20 something years old, you know, early 20s. And 
I was, it was ecstatic. It was the most money I've ever received in my life at that point, you know, for, especially for something that I wanted to do. Um, and so I practiced and practiced, practiced, went to the event, you know, commentated live, which was extremely nerve wracking alongside a bunch of people I'd never met before in a venue I've never done before. You know, it was just, it was a very cool experience and it, it gave me a really strong, uh, it, it gave me a lot of confidence that I did that I didn't have. And especially at that time in my life, you know, early twenties, you're really lost in the world. You're not really sure what you're doing. I was in college, but I wasn't enjoying what I was studying. Um, there wasn't really anything that was that was make that was helping me be, stay motivated, and this really did. So um, I went to the event. I ended up casting a lot more online stuff for them, and then I was going to go to a second event for them. Ultimately, with as I talked about Blizzard purchasing them and then squashing them, the event ultimately was canceled. But um, it was a very uh, exciting and very unique time in my life that I always look back to very fondly. And at a certain point, I still think about it at times. I still do enjoy commentating. Like I watch StarCraft. Still a good amount of the time. I really do enjoy it. And I am waiting for the next game that gets me as excited that StarCraft did that is popular, right? Because I thought about it for like Auto Chess and Hearthstone, but they didn't really capture me the same way. Like StarCraft 2, I was obsessed. Like <laughs> I was either playing, talking about it, or watching VODs or watching GSL. And GSL is the Global StarCraft League. It is in Korea. And it starts at like 1 in the morning and goes to like 7 in the morning. And I watched it almost every night. At uh, this time, so I oh, was I did too. Yeah, 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 fucking my schedule up. Yeah, I remember waking um, up super early to watch those. It was always a, uh, I don't know, it was it, that was a, that was fun to to get up really early and like we didn't have regular jobs to go to or anything like that at the time, so it didn't kill us to like you said watch something from one a.m. to seven a.m. It was hard, but it was it was it was fun. Yeah, and, and there, this was a time when like VODs didn't exist, and it, so it wasn't like you could just watch the games. You would basically have to read a freaking recap on Liquipedia about the actual series to get an understanding of what happened. Like VODs didn't start happening yeah. until a certain point. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is there was an event I went to one time early on. It wasn't that early. I was probably like 20, 2013, 2014 maybe. I went to eh, – it's probably a earlier than that. I went to an event, and uh, I think it was BlizzCon actually. I went to BlizzCon. And I went to a panel where people were talking about StarCraft. And I went in this room and I went in there out of a whim because I'll be honest, at this point, I was very young and very arrogant. And I had thought that a lot of the, the panels that they had at the events were just going to be a bunch of people who really didn't understand like high level StarCraft talking about it from to kind of talking out their ass. And realistically, I was actually right. Most of the panels I went to, the people who were talking had no fucking clue what they were talking about. They were a lot, a lot of them were like business people within Blizzard who were trying to talk about esports, which this is like the early days of esports. So it's really hard to understand what esports was at the time, especially if you weren't somebody who was like diehard into it. So we're at this panel and it's like this, this big ass room with all these beanbag chairs and all, all around the room. And so people are sitting around and talking about different things. And it was a really boring conversation. And at one point I said something that was kind of, um, it created some conflict because I just, somebody said something and I, I didn't call them out, but I was just like, oh, I don't really agree with that. I think like this is, this is the better way to do it, right? Something like that. And this guy, he agreed with me and he went on to elaborate on it. I was like, in my head, I'm like, yes, like this guy gets it. Like, this guy's really smart. And then he said something else later on. Like, this guy's really freaking smart. Like, I really like this guy. Like, I, I think he's very interesting. So after the venue, I started, I chatted him up. I was just like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. And I'll tell you who he is at the end, Robert, because you'll, you'll love this. But yeah, so we were talking for a while. For the reveal. Yeah, so we were talking for a while. We talked about some games and you know, we had a lot of the same interests in terms of like, we both play the same race. We both uh, like a lot of the same players and we were both, obsessed with starcraft so later that night actually or later that weekend this is actually it was one of the nights they had a barcraft eg had a barcraft 
And uh, I told him, I was like, hey, I can probably get you in if you want if you want to come to it. Not like, hey, I can get you in. I'm so cool. <laughs> it was just like, at the time, we were looking for more writers. And this guy was like really intelligent. So um, I talked to E.G. Colby about it because, you know, nobody gets to talk to E.G. Colby. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so I, I talked to Lucas about it. And Lucas was like, yeah, just bring him over. And like, we can, we can get him in or whatever. And so um, I ended up like fall in love with this guy, like legitimately with the entire weekend. I spent the whole weekend talking to him. I, I really enjoyed um, the, the time I spent with him and talking to him. And then afterwards, like for like six or eight months, we were inseparable. We were in Skype together all the time, playing Starcraft, watching VODs, talking through different things, writing paper or writing, um, what are they called? Posts for EG. Um, and he ended up joining EG and becoming a writer with us. Uh, and he and I still talk every once in a while. I haven't talked to him as much in the last couple of years. But we became extremely close, and he ended up working for EG for a number of years, even after I left. Um, this is Conrad, uh, Robert. Oh, really? Conrad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Conrad, yeah. Conrad and I are, are, were close for a long time. And the best part, one of my favorite parts about when we used to work for EG is we would play uh, against each other. We would, we would queue up against each other on ladder and play against each other, and I would destroy everybody, which was always a really good feeling. But uh, <laughs> I, especially Lucas. Lucas... Oh my God. I can make that guy rage so freaking easily. Blink stalkers were that guy's bane of existence. He'd be like, I, I freaking hate, he would never swear. He's like, I freaking hate blink stalkers. Like, it's so stupid. Like, I don't know why people go to them. Like, I know you're going to go blink stalkers. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go blink stalkers. And then I'd hide my Twilight Council, which gives you blink. And I would, I would hide it somewhere. And then I'd walk up to his doorstep with like 12 blink stalkers. He's like, I just do it. I, I just do it. And then he would just throw everything at it, super tilted. And I would just kite back and just destroy him. And he's just like, I don't even know why I play this game. That's awesome. Yeah, StarCraft has been a, a big part of my life, so that, that's why earlier when we were talking about the news section. You know, I'm I'm kind of kind of hurt by that. So um, I'm really looking forward to whatever the next big game is, though. That that really hooks me in the same way. MMOs always do that for me, but MMOs don't really have a competitive element, which I'm a, I'm a pretty right. competitive person. I like co-op. I, I that's why I really like MMOs, but I also like competitiveness. So. Um, recently my, my friends and I have actually been playing in some like amateurish league tournaments, which has been kind of scratching that itch for me. And it's been very fun. Uh, we actually won our, yeah, yeah. We won our first, like they call them clash tournaments. So these things that come up once a month. Um, and we won our first tournament last weekend, which was, it was really fun. Like, you know, you're playing against people who are at the same level. So it's like, it's really nice when you end up beating them. Um, but it was really fun. And it's, it's fun for me because I just switched, switched to a different role, which is a whole new, you know, it's a whole new game for me essentially at that point, which has been uh, really, really enjoyable. Yeah. That's chase. Thank you for the question. Obviously that brought out a lot. Yeah, of. Yeah, Don't ask me about Starcraft unless you want to hear about it. <laughs> brought out the memories. Uh, man, I cannot, I cannot get the image out of my head of our friend. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, he, you, you said it up perfectly. He leans, he leans back, kicks his feet up, puts his arms out to the, his head's bobbing the whole time and he's looking left to right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'll never forget that. You know, you know what the funniest part is? Not the funniest part. You know what the most endearing part is? He he said one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. He messaged me oh, wow. after one of the events. Because Ro- Robert and I were, I wouldn't say we were like the cool kids of EG, but like people generally liked to hang out with us, especially in the early days. Like Robert and I were very close. And then a lot of people like to hang out with us. And we always tried to incorporate as many people as we could in our group, just because, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. And, and they're not yeah. bad people. Yeah. And he messaged me after one of the events and basically like thanked me for that. And, and, and thanked us really, Robert and I. And it was one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. He was extremely complimentary, um, which was, it was really nice. I mean, he's a nice enough guy. He just says some, some funny moments. Yeah, exactly. He's a super nice guy. He does maybe a couple goofy things here and there. 
Yeah. Um, oh gosh, there was one more thing that I was just about to bring up, but I can't remember what it is now. We've we probably gone on <laughs> long enough, anyways. It's true. Um, anyways, oh sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. That's 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 all I got. Uh, so Chase closes up by saying, "We all like a good story, and it's interesting to look back at things that happened almost a decade ago with some distance and perspective." And that's it for me, gentlemen. Thank you so much for all that you do and for this little piece of your show. It's always a good time, and I can't thank you enough for it. Cheers and talk again soon, Chase. The night cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Awesome. Thank you very much, Chase. All right. Last email is from uh, Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey says, Hi, Gaming J, Plain J, and Inky Rob. He missed one. He missed an episode. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no Gaming J. Um, He must have heard us talking. So, Jeff was on the last episode. I guess you and me were probably talking about it beforehand. About gaming Jay coming on soon, and he thought that he was, was trying to time. cheat. You hear him? He's trying to cheat here. <clears throat> so yeah, sorry, Jeffrey. You're 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 one, you're an episode early for gaming Jay. I'll try to remember to pass on the message to him. However, whatever if you had if you do have a message for him coming up, and I don't know what Inky Rob uh, means either. But but I don't know. I'm trying to think of what it is. I'm cool with it though. Um, thanks again for having me on last week. It was a fun time. I have a record of it, so I can listen to myself and cringe anytime I feel so inclined. <laughs> For my salutation, I tried to type only Rob, and it auto-corrected to Inky. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, I see. Only Rob, because there's only one Rob, and there's multiple. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. There it is. He says, I just left it in for the puzzles. Puzzles reaction? I think he means puzzled reaction. Okay. Man, he is getting you good tonight. (laughs) He's getting me, yeah. Funny. That we talked about how much UI can mess up an otherwise good game last week. Because I started playing Secret of Mana, and oh boy, uh, it is basically the same as wheel... It is basically the same wheel menu as Secret of Evermore. Uh, but having to juggle between three characters instead of one makes it that much worse. I also hate that I can't tell if any given equipment I can buy is an upgrade, or how much of one it is. Also, no clue what an item does in a shop unless I look... Oh, I hate that. When you have to look up, like in a manual or online, what, what an item does. Uh, the battle... Oh, you know what else I hate? Is if you can't tell if... This is this is a pet peeve of mine. So, obviously, everybody hates not knowing what an item does, right? What I also hate is if you can't tell whether an item is single use... Mm. or like you can use it a lot of times like sometimes it's very clear you know if it's like oh you get it fills up your hp that's a single use thing but there are some things where it's like oh it boosts your attack and it's like so are are you saying it gives me a permanent stat boost or are you saying like for a little time it adds a percentage you know boost to my attack like things like that do you know what i'm talking about where you get something it's like is this permanent or what uh, so let's see. Also, no clue what an item does. The battle system is cumbersome, made more so by the shitty AI characters. Boss battles seem to have no strategy other than strike, run away, repeat. Also, the dumb tiger boss has a place he can go that you can't hit him, and has fire attacks that are that are seemingly unavoidable. Two hours in, and I'm ready to give up. Don't know what the difference was that made that made Seiken Densetsu three more playable, but mana hasn't grabbed me at all. Doesn't help that the character's story and dialogue have not hooked me at all. Yeah, Jeff, I played probably also just for about two hours, Secret of Mana, 
And I didn't care for it either. The game looks fantastic, but I really didn't like the gameplay. Uh, Jay, I, I'm sure I've asked you this, but ha- I don't remember. Have you played Secret of Mana? A little bit, yeah. It's it's been a long time. I've tried it a couple times in the podcast, but I've, it's never really sucked me in the same, same way Evermore has. Okay. He says, for favorite Mario series, I will, I will only go with uh, top three. Number three, Mario Kart. Has its moments, but honestly a bit overrated. <laughs> Two, Mario Tennis. An N64... I don't know if there's an N64 Mario Tennis. He says that doesn't surprise me. An N64 standout. Not a fan of this system, but loved this game. I am the Grand Slam Master. Remember I once shared a picture of the sweatshirt I won? Oh, I do remember that. He like won a... I forgot how he did it, but he won some sort of Mario Tennis sweatshirt for like some sort of competition. Uh, One... Mario Party. What is the saying? A mile wide, but only a foot deep. Not much to this game, but it does get enough right to make a very fun and versatile multiplayer game. One-on-one, family all-ages game, adult drinking game, or super competitive. Works on all levels. Yep, that's a very, very good way to describe it, actually. Damn. Yeah. Uh, keeping it brief, I had my time to shine last episode. The dude abides, Jeffrey. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate Thanks, it, as Jeff. always. Uh, so I think that's going to, I think we can maybe skip current gaming subcast. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say, I'm going to, I want to go real quick on current gaming subcast, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, first off, do you have anything? Yeah, I was going to say, so I bought, um, don't starve for the switch. Um, love don't starve. I've spent a hundred plus hours playing it through steam and, and et cetera. But <clears throat> I was talking with, with one of my friends of the day. I was like, man, you know, what game would be crazy if they put it on the switch is don't starve. Like, the controller, the whole overworld would be just, it's just such a great portable game. And he's like, dude, it's already out They're, They made it for Switch while ago. I'm like, <laughs> what? And so I bought it immediately and uh, I'm probably about 40 hours deep into playing it and I can't stop playing. I love Don't Starve. It's a, a roguelike survival with a little bit of horror elements into it. And it is just addicting. And the, 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 the graphics are charming. The um, difficultiness, the randomness of it is very, very fun. And there's just there's just so many good things and very few bad things to to talk about with this game. So awesome, twenty bucks, Switch, really good. Well, you know how I, we were talking about earlier. I'm a huge sucker for yeah. spending too much money on things. Well, I bought the Mario Kart Live Home Circuit thing. Oh wow, <laughs> it's <coughs> it's okay. It's pretty, it's pretty, sorry, okay. It's more than okay. It's pretty cool. It is not fun enough to warrant the price. What is uh, the price? It's $100. Oh, Jesus. What the <laughs> shit? I thought it was going to, I was like, I got to get this. This looks awesome. Because I knew, like, I, well, I thought I was going to love it. And I knew my daughter would really get a kick out of it as well. So, like, you know, this will be worth it. It's not really worth it. Um, Ooh. But it is pretty cool. Uh, so, You've probably seen this. If not, it's Mario Kart where it's a Switch game. It comes with a physical little similar, just like a kind of like a remote control car almost of, of Mario in a go-kart. And you set up a track actually in your house. And then the Mario uh, little cart that you control has a camera on it. So you actually play it on the Switch and the camera shows you what's in front of the cart and you're driving around, you're playing it on the screen, but the actual cart is physically going around your house. And um, you, so you got to, first off, you got to make sure you have plenty of space. You don't need a lot of space, but the range is not that good 
on the uh, on the cart. So, like, you really can't go too far. So for me, my house, it's not. I mean, it's not big, but it's also not super small. But the way it is, my house is laid out very like long ways, and so like there's I don't have a lot of places to like set up tracks and things like that. So there's basically almost just like one configuration of a track I can do within the range of the switch. It's go around the ottoman in the living room, go into the dining room, go one, go through the chairs and under the table, and then come back and loop around the ottoman again in the living room. That's basically how it, that's basically like my only option for playing this, unless I want to pick up the switch and carry it around while I'm doing it, which I, which I don't really want to do. Cause a lot of the fun is seeing it on the screen and the other person and like, you know, my daughter, my wife getting to watch also, but, um, so it's pretty cool. But the other thing you got to think of is anytime you want to do a different course, then you got to stop playing, go set up the course the way you want it. Oh yeah. Go back to it. And then you have to do like a test lap so it can see where everything is and it knows like where to draw the course on your floor, like, you know, on the screen. Yeah. And so anytime you want to do something different, then you got to do, go, go do that, which is means you got to get up from the couch because I'm a lazy motherfucker and I don't want to do that. Um, and, and it does do some things to make it different. Like if you like, it does have circuits on the game that you can do. And the way it changes things up is really very simple ways. Like it'll add obstacles that are not obviously not there in real life, but are there in the game. So on some of them, it might add like, there's one that was like a Bowser's castle level, you know, on particularly the original Mario brothers, uh, in Bowser's castle, it had those little kind of like rotating fireball rods that you have to dot. So it added those onto the gates that you have to pass under. Uh, so when you're playing it on the game, you got to make sure like on the screen, you're not getting hit by one of those when you pass under. Otherwise, it'll make your car stop. Um, so, it, like, those little things like that. Like, it, some, of, some of the levels, it makes them be underwater just by adding kind of, like, underwater effects on the screen and putting, like, coral here and there around the track on the screen. So, they do what they can to make there be a variety. But if you want to actually change the track, then you're going to have to physically, you know, of course, get up and, and change the track around. Besides that, like, it, it works pretty well besides the range not being great. But kind of all those things considered is just definitely not worth the price. Uh, I'd say like at all, although we have been having a little fun with it. I can't really recommend the game. It's, it's way too much for, for the, for the fun that you get out of it. Although I, it is obviously a super cool idea conceptually. Yeah, all right, Jay. So that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the classic gaming podcast. Uh, everybody mail at classic gaming podcast.com is our email address. Send us in, Whatever you want to talk about, including uh, top fives, which is top five side, uh, what is it? Side characters that need a spinoff, secondary yep. characters that need a spinoff, something like that. Yep. Uh, J is coming on the next episode. Check out his YouTube channel if you have not already. J 1001 Let's play 1000. What is it? 1001 games before you. Let's play 1001 games to. What is this channel fucking called? You're almost there. Gaming J. Hold on, I'm looking it up. It's Let's Play 1001 Games, right? Yep. It is. It's Let's yeah. Play 1001 Games. Okay, yes. Yep. Um, God, I don't know why I got so confused on his channel name. Anyway, go check out his channel if you're not familiar with it. If you have any questions for him, send it an email and, uh, and we will pass on those questions slash messages. 
Uh, you can follow me. I'm at King Octavius. You can follow the uh, the podcast at Class Gamescast. Leave us amazing reviews uh, uh, on iTunes. Jay, anything else? No, it's been a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We will be uh, we will be back in about three weeks. We'll be back. Fuck yeah.